Are you ready? I, I, I actually, I am ready. Uh, I'm not faking it. I'm like ready. You're into it. Oh yeah! Yeah! Ow! Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Antiwave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the films that make you feel like family. Feel. And fam. Oh, you got a double one in there. Robert, kudos to you. That is one of your better ones. Thanks, man. And the reason you're saying that is because this week the movie we're discussing is... Alan V. Farrell. Farrell. Yeah. Yes. Alan I, v. I always feel like versus, VS, I'll say versus, but V, I say just V. I want to talk about this. Because in the movie, this is going to be, in the movie Kramer versus Kramer, the, it was oh, you versus. You're one of my top five. I, I wonder if it's mm, here. It it's might be in my not. top five. I considered mm, it. I, versus is spelt VS. Yeah. Isn't this interesting? Yeah. And now, in court cases and in this movie, it's just a V with a dot. I'm pretty sure there's still a dot yeah, afterwards. Yeah. But when do they make the change with versus from VS to just V? I think after the the TV series V came out. <laughs> yes. Diana Alan... made that part of her uh, of her decree. Diana? Diana was the main bad guy. Oh, was that her name? Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant the princess who died in the car crash in Paris. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. <laughs> Yeah, Alan versus V. Farrell. That's yeah. the movie we're discussing. And our top five this and week is... And our top five this week is uh, Nasty Breakups. Mm-hmm. Now, not necessarily marriage. We talked about this because mm-hmm. they weren't married. Everyone forgets that, that Mia and Woody were not married. But um, I wonder if we're going to overlap. And I did send you a text a couple days ago. And I wondered, you were very cool that you didn't mm-hmm. respond saying, I know what my number one is. I hope we have a shared number one. We talked about a movie, this movie once before. And I wonder if it'll be your number one as well. Do you we even know what I was referring to? I don't. Oh. But. Yes. My number one. Yes. Is a movie that we've talked about before. Yes. And it is near perfect. It's great. Okay, we're going to do one thing. It's a great film. Was it directed by a funny man? A, a somebody who's in was in a sitcom? Was he the director? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, we, we, I think we got the same That's one. That's it. You know what? I feel really good that we've got the same one for our number one. We spoke about it a couple of years ago. And I woke up with a start at three in the morning saying, bingo, that's my number one. I did the same thing. I, I was in the shower and I was like, <laughs> I know what number it. one is. And I was so jazzed. I, and really what it was, I, I had not even thought about it. And then I said, okay, I'm going to take a shower. While I'm in the shower, I'm going to be thinking about what are my nasty breakup films. And I said, uh, okay, well, let's just start. And I started just kind of racking my brain, thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, I got it. I know what it is. Do you remember the hand at the very end with the shin? We're going to talk okay. about it. Don't, don't you get into it. This you. is so great. That I love the fact that we agree on our number one. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's great. Now, I have some that I think are going to be on your list. Yeah. And if they're not, yes. I think you're going to kick yourself. I like that. I'm ready to be kicked. Okay. Cool. Cool. Our top and five, our last, top five week for last week, we had, uh, what did we have? Oh, I remember. They were boss-level movies. You mm-hmm. taught me that new term. We had some really interesting ones. I want to share some. First of all, we got a sk- playfully scathing email from someone said, how dare you only have Scott Pilgrim as a scoop? And he wrote, and seriously, and this is all in caps, have neither of you ever seen a kung fu movie? That's and fair. you know what? He's right. That's fair. He's right, because yeah. a kung Into fu movie dragon. by its very yeah, yeah, nature yeah. is really what a yeah. boss-level uh, movie that's, is. That's fair. So I'd love that response. He went on for another email he sent me. He's told me about Scott Pilgrim, definitely Enter the Dragon. Bruce literally fights many bosses on his way to the top-level boss. It's where video games got the idea. <gasps> Donkey Kong is actually oh, based on it. What? Oh, man. 
man. What? You agree? No, it, I, well, what? I agree. This, this, that same listener, I'm, I'm reading down ahead of you. I'm oh, okay. Ahead of you. We're going to yeah, go I ahead. Know, okay. And then he wrote down his Kung Fu movies, A Revenge of the Ninja, Onigbak 3. Does Onigbak 3. Yeah. And this next one. Jim Kata? Yes. I don't know this movie. You, you do. You do because I've told you about it. Have you? Do tell. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this movie is so much fun. They used to play it on like TBS all the time. I don't know if you remember. When TBS first started out, it was like mid-80s, right? When cable was first starting to come yeah. into its own. And TBS... It's like they bought the license to like seven movies and they would just show, show those over on and TV over because again. they had nothing else to show. <laughs> and then I think, you know, Turner was like, well, we got these old movies, but they're in black and white. No one likes black and white. Let's just colorize them. And that's where the whole Turner, you remember they did the colorization yeah, of stuff. Of course. But the few, one of the few color movies they had, they had The Beastmaster, which is why I saw The Beastmaster a gazillion times growing up. But I also saw Jim Cotta. Jim Cotta was based off of, oh, I can't remember his name. I'll have to look it up. It was a, an Olympic athlete. Um, who and the actor was an Olympic athlete, and he played an actual athlete, I think. Um, but he was like in the he was a gymnast. He was like a pommel horse uh, specialist or whatever, and they needed him to go into this country and compete for to like to save. Okay, so if you do this big race and you win the race, then you get to ask the king for one request, and he can't say no. And they were trying to get some hostages out or something and that was the only way to get them out was to compete in this process but it's it's <laughs> the race is like a death match you know like you're yeah. gonna die and you have to uh you know fight your way through this like obstacle course and then you have to spend a you know night in the the town of the crazies where all these mentally insane people are and he has to use the skills of gymkata and which is like gymnastics yeah, but yeah, yeah. karate yeah and he has to use those skills in order to defend himself <laughs> and it's ridiculous but it's so much fun <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about Jim. How Kata. about that? So we're in total agreement with this oh, this man. listener, and he was right. I love the way he he criticized us. How can you? Neither of you include Thomas. A Kung Fu that movie. was his name. Jim Cotta movie. Yeah. And then he said, if he's going to just name Kung Fu films, that is number two is Ninja Shadow of a uh, Tear, and the one that started all the Way of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then he wrote another email, and he said, okay. Putting those movies aside, here is top five. Number five, Ready Player One. Now, Ugh. I know how you feel about that movie. Mm -hmm. However, it's still a good example yeah. of a boss. Yeah. Mortal Kombat. Kill Bill 1 and 2, fair. he said. That's fair. John Wick 3, homage yeah, or yeah, ripoff yeah. of The Way of the Dragon with yeah, Charter yeah, General. Yeah. And for his number one, The Principal. The principal, uh, Lou Gossett Jr. or Jim Belushi, take out a gang of high school. The boss fight between Belushi, the gang leader. It's is been too movie. long since I've seen that movie. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to see it again. I haven't seen that in a while. But Jim Cotta is the one that you went nuts mm, over. Yeah, Good call. Deep pull. Someone else wrote, not my kind of movies that you spoke about with the top five. Uh, Tenant, Happy Death Day? I don't know if that was... Was that a boss level? Yeah, Happy, happy Death was Day was like she was trying to find... Who was the killer, right? So it, it was another one of those you keep waking up over and over and over again. Got and, it. And um, she, I mentioned it on the show last week. Oh, she, did you? Yeah. Like she keeps dying. And every time she dies, she wakes up again. She's trying to figure out who's murdering her. And she keeps trying, she keeps trying to figure it out. But every time she does, she gets murdered. Cool. Yeah. It's, cool. it's a comedy horror. Right, right. And she mentioned Edge of Tomorrow, which, of course, we spoke about, right. too. Um, and, and then someone else was sending me texts, and I got whiplash. 
Whiplash. Yeah, I, I, I kind of so. see that. I see that. Yeah, but I think it's stretching a little bit. I too do far. too. Uh, bad girls, mm-hmm. not Mean Girls, but Bad Girls mm-hmm. is one. Yeah, that, and, that was the the Western. Right, that was the Western. Yeah, that's right. That's right. With Mary Stuart Master, uh, I, I think get them, you might be I get right. Yeah. A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Now that was Sean Connery's last. That movie. was a horrible. Yeah, and was that a boss? I'm not sure, but all I remember is one thing from that film. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. Was there like a large boat going down yeah. canals yeah. in Venice and it was stupid? Speaking of canals, just... you heard about what's going on in the Suez, right? Yeah. yeah. It's landlocked. Is that the term? Landlocked? Mm-hmm. It's stuck yeah. on land. That's what's what going on in the Suez. Suez Canal. You know, I was there at the Suez Canal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. In my youth, I was there. Suez, which reminds me. That it's of the in the no, that's not newest? a good rhyme. <laughs> hey, I got a game for you. Yeah, I don't mean to put you on. Do the I have spot. to keep my clothes on? Wait, 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 wait a second. We did this exact one last week, but I'm not doing this to put throw you under the bus. Okay. I, this says more about the film and the god awful title. We did this last week, and let's see. We oh. discussed this, oh, I love this six weeks ago, okay. and I'm fucking okay. with you a little bit, but it's going to be fascinating. Can you please tell me the name of the film? <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm doing it the follow. We did this last week. Now listen, Denzel Washington and Romney Malik, and it takes now. place 1990, uh, Bakersfield and LA. And the name of that film is all the. It's called the little things, not yeah, all. You're right. Not all. You're right. It's called it the is, little things. But you had to squirm. Uh, yeah. You squirmed. It was not it on the tip of my tongue. If you had not told me last week, I would have forgotten. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Hey, you know what? What theaters are opening up? Yeah. I mean, how about that? Uh, did you get AMC's email? I know last week you didn't. No. They oh don't God. like you. No. I don't think they like you. I and think that's why they know excluded. that I'm going to be like uh, a yeah, yeah. cause of trouble. But I wonder why you didn't. They're open. and uh, I'm curious how the mask policy is going to work. Well, Are you asking people to wear their masks the entire time? Do they have to wear masks to go in? What's the deal with I'm not that? sure. However, a faithful listener of our show mm-hmm. went to AMC in Burbank last night. And I think you'll appreciate this, that the app, that incredible app where you, elect second, you select your seat, it's built into the app now. They modified it where the five or six seats around you are also blocked off right. by you taking that seat so nobody could sit next to you. Yeah. I don't know about the mask policy, but um, anyway, he went to see a movie last night at AMC and said it was fine. So, so what do we do in a situation like you and I? If you and I want to go see a movie together, and we each buy our own ticket. We can't sit next to each other. We can't sit next to no, each other? We can't hold hands. That's ridiculous. We can't hold hands. <sighs> this is not going to last long. Actually, I think it will. I, th- I mean, I, mean I, I think it's probably going to go six months, and then it's going to be, okay, we got to get, this is just not working out well. They'll be open soon, I think. I think right now there's, they're definitely eager to do whatever they can to get back in business. I mean, every right, day they're right. not, they're bleeding. So. Now, this brings up something else. Months ago, you and I reported from a substantial legitimate article that the Regal uh, LA Live went under. They didn't, though. Well, they didn't because they're opening. You kept saying that they well, did. Well, there was an article that we... I No, but it said that they ha- were hurting, but they didn't... They didn't. They were closing theaters. But yes, they, they were closing theaters, but... But they didn't I don't shutter. think they filed bankruptcy. No, I don't think so. Um, and they're reopening. And I want one of my favorite theaters down here, downtown LA, is LA Live. Mm-hmm. They're going to be open on April 2nd. Wow. So I just wanted to clarify that point, that... Um, they're, they're still around. All the U.S. theaters are going to slowly open up and be open again. So they're not gone like I had thought. No. 
Yeah. No, and people are eager to do that, I think. I mean, you know, I'm I'm pretty anti-mask. <laughs> pretty. <laughs> but extremely. And... Oh, well, this begs another question. What? If, indeed, you have to wear a mask while you're in the auditorium in an AMC theater watching a movie, will you comply? No. Oh, that's a good question. No, they're, they're not going to come over to you in but the middle of the movie and disturb you. But then you're going to take away that experience of us watching a movie. They're gonna, that usher's going to shine his flashlight on you and say, mask. Uh, but see, no, I'm serious. The what problem would you do? is I probably, they, I wouldn't don one to go into the place to begin with. You but know you, what I mean? But you'd have one in your pocket. I know you. Mm, you'd maybe. have it in your pocket. I'd probably just walk up, and if they gave me shit, I'd be like, sir, you have to put a mask on to come in. I'd just be like, all right, turn around and walk away. No, you wouldn't. I would. But we'd be there, and we'd be letting down all of our listeners. I'd just go stream it. <laughs> I just don't dig. I, look, I, I don't like. it's People, I keep reading this online, you know, Twitter and, and Instagram, and people are, keep talking about like, oh, but you know, you're trying to save the life of other people and everything. And, and I get that. The real promise. I don't want to be told what to do. It's the government. It's the issue. It's the idea that the government tells me I have to do something. Fuck that. We already have enough things that the government tells us we have to do. How do you feel about seatbelts in the car? Absolutely not. Really? That's How do you feel ridiculous. about helmets on Driver's a motorcycle? License. What about no, helmets? No, 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 no. You should not be doing that. I mean, you should wear one if you feel that you need to wear one. But right. when you start passing laws that you have to wear a helmet, fuck off. You don't think it's the government's responsibility to see that its people are healthy? Absolutely not. Not with laws and le- legislation? And no. Litig- okay. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, you can offer services. You can offer training. I, I have no problem with any of that. You know, you want to say, look, this is much safer to wear a helmet. You're crazy if you don't. But if someone wants to wear not wear a helmet on a motorcycle let them fucking not wear a helmet what are you talking about you got you're forcing them to wear that's insanity yeah and i really mean it like driver's licenses and and all this stuff i, I don't I, the idea that they're numbering us with a social security number and also i don't know how much you've done research on that but that number that you're given is not a good number like it's totally unsecure it was not designed to be a secure number you know it was designed Basically, like, here's your number so that you can get Social Security when you're older, mm-hmm. but it's not a code or anything like that. And it, we treat it like this it's this secret code. Like, if someone finds out your Social Security number, your personal items are in danger. Right. It's right. not secure at all. Right. And I, it's it, it's ridiculous. This, the whole system is not. Okay. Set so up let right. me just, before we, I still want to ask a sidebar question to you, and that is that forget the law. And the fact that it's state or federal mandated, but if indeed wearing a mask does help other people, you'd still refuse to mask, wear a mask, not because it's illegal that you have to wear one, but just to help your fellow person when you're in the elevator. Wouldn't you want to wear it for that reason alone? Yes, if I thought it was actually doing something. And you don't. I don't. I don't believe that it right. does. I, I know there are some studies that show that it reduces transmission. There are other studies that show that it doesn't, um, not for the size of the um, the virus and the water particle that it, it, it's bonded to and things like that. But even still, I don't I don't think this virus is that big of a deal. I think I think we're doing far more damage right. by the psychological effect of everyone feeling like they have to mask up all the time. Right. And, and think, shutting down society. Yeah. And not just theaters, but the Look, schools we're supposed to get sick. Yeah. That's supposed to happen. Humans are supposed to get sick. We're yeah. supposed to um, you know, have illnesses. 
and I don't wish death, and I don't want to be responsible for it. But at the same time, I mean, what if I'm carrying a, a different germ? Let's say, let's rewind to 2008. And if it's, like, I'm sorry, I said 2008, but I meant 2018. If I rewind to 2018 and I'm carrying some sort of germ and I get somebody sick and they die because of it, do I beat myself up and say, I killed this person? Mm -hmm. I mean, no, I just kind of, well, that, that sucked. But their immune system couldn't fight it. And that's just the way it is. The virus is what killed them, not me. I didn't put a bullet in their brain. Right, right. Anyway, so the theaters. I just wanted to share that with you. Hey, before we move on, I got a game for you. Hmm. Can you tell me the name of the Denzel Washington movie uh, about uh, Los Angeles and Bakersfield that uh, took place in 1990? Um, I think it was called He Got Game. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you while we're in the yeah. news. Did you see this video that went out of, of um, DC of the carjacking, the two girls that carjacked? the no. uber eats driver N oh well no Ira. wait i saw that girl who was slapping the driver and and no not harassing yeah no, 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 no that, i saw that that wasn't indeed that's okay. not what i'm talking about you're right okay this uber driver I, i'm not sure the video kind of turns on and the incident has already started but some there someone a bystander is recording it there is a this happened just this week the driver is a guy, he's from Pakistan, he's a immigrant, and he's an Uber Eats driver, and there were two girls, I think one was 13 and the other's 15, and, um, and they're black, and I bring that up because, of course, race is going to play into all of this, and they are trying to carjack his car, and they got into it, and he's trying to get into it, and they tasered him, and he's trying to get into his car so i'm not sure how they got in he's not but somehow or another they're in and they're trying to get him to step away he's he's standing in the driver's side door with it open trying to get into his car and they're like kind of trying to push him away and not letting him get in and he says no it's my car it's my car and they keep telling him to step away and he won't do it and they suddenly floor it and they just start driving and they press the gas and they just they go from zero to 60 and they're just hauling ass and the door's still open and the guy is still like in, standing in the door. Like he's not in the driver's seat. He's standing up on the car while it's suddenly going as it's driving. The door hits a barricade, like boom, right? Like that two of them, boom, boom while he's standing in the doorway. So it, the whole force of the car is going slams on him slams on him again which already is enough to potentially kill this guy and the the guy who's filming is like call the police we just, this is crazy they're trying to kill, steal this guy's car and then there's a sudden screech and crash and they go running down the street to see what happened the car is now on its side on the driver's side mm -hmm. the man has been thrown from the car he's face down and he's like kind of just barely twitching and the girls are climbing out of the car and this man is dead. They've just killed this man. And the, one of the girls keeps complaining that she left her phone in the car. She keeps trying to get back into the car to get her phone. And the man that they just killed is laying there on the ground dead. It's insane. The kind of violent, like, I, I, I don't know that video really disturbed me. I saw that this week and the callousness and the disregard for human life and 
you know, a lot of people are, are very upset saying, well, this doesn't paint black people in a good way. We shouldn't be sharing this video. <laughs> no one's accusing all black teenagers as being car thieves, but here's what happened. Right. And, you know, the, the poor family, this guy was the sole um, breadwinner for his whole family. And he's a grandfather. Has this been shown on mainstream media? This or is it? I doubt it. I mean, it's pretty horrific. And the National Guard is there, like the the, because you know they're all over D.C. right now, um, still kind of guarding the city, which is a whole other insane uh, element. But nobody's really tending to this poor man who's face down on the sidewalk. It, it was a really disturbing video. Do you think we're getting more cold and callous towards human life because of COVID? Could there be a, a link there? I don't know. I think, no, I don't think so. I think it's made us, I think COVID has made us skittish. You know, it's made us yeah, anxious. I, I think, uh, what, here's what I think. I think there is a, I think we have opened up the floodgates for a certain type of violence and it's become like we are starting to move into pandemonium. Like it's just kind of anarchy where we're saying, I mean, I don't, this week Baltimore came out as saying they're not going to prosecute low level crimes. So prostitution, um, drug possession. Uh, uh, what's the um, when you when you flash yourself when you're naked? Uh, what do you call it? Indecent exposure. They're not going to prosecute that. So there you go. You can go to Baltimore. Yeah, I found a haven, a safe haven. What's funny is that there was even, if you ever watched the TV show The Wire, one season of The Wire, um, the police actually run this as an experiment in Baltimore. The whole show is set in Baltimore. It's, it's odd that that Baltimore actually ended up doing this in 2021. But in TV show The Wire, they open up a section of the city and try to move all crime down to this area. And they're like, here's the deal. If you do this stuff, but you do it here, you can't do it anywhere else. You can't bring it out to other neighborhoods. If you do it here... It's fine, but nowhere else. And it, 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 they did it under the, like, without the knowledge of the higher-ups. And um, they kind of ran it as an experiment. And it was a big success. But then the higher-ups found out about it. And they're like, you legalized drugs. You can't do that. And they, you know, the guy got fired and everything. And his whole career was ruined. And that was a big through line of that season of, of The Wire. And now they're doing it for real. Wow. So you do think that this is the beginning of a, a, a spiraling down? I don't know. I, I don't like the idea of the beginning because it almost seems like things are, are bound to get worse. I think we might be at the worst. I think I think we have to start pushing back and saying, look, we – I mean, in Los Angeles already did this, right? So last summer, all these chants, thousands of people protesting defund the police, right? So what does L.A. do? They defund the police. They take a bunch of funding away. And people go, okay, cool. And then Los Angeles riots were tame compared to other places. Right. And so things kind of peter out. Well, I think it was this week, last week, they decided to reinstate $36 million. They That's just put right. the money right back. That's right. They're funding. And the I police. said this. I don't know if I was talking to you on the podcast or privately, but I said, yeah. I don't think they'll. They, they right. can't. How right. can they? Right. How right. can you defund right. the police right. in Los Angeles? Are you, are you insane? It's going to turn into, it's going to turn into Mad Max. Right. So I, you know, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew it was just kind of like, look, let's just tell them we're going to defund it. We'll put the money back. You tell me too about we're talking about race relations and the um, anti anti Asian hate 
yeah. speech and all that, that in San Francisco, that there's there's a phenomenon going on with African-Americans beating up on Asian people, yeah. and it's not getting mainstream coverage uh, because of how the light in which because it, it doesn't fit the narrative. People, the narrative it doesn't is fit in the black. People. It has to be white, right. white on right. Asian, white right. on black. It's white people that are the problem. Right, right. White people are a problem, but so are black people. So are Asian people. There's right. Asian. What? Okay, Virginia Tech, right? Virginia Tech shooting. Mm-hmm. It was a Korean guy who shot a bunch of white people. Right, right. So why wasn't that a hate right. crime? Right. He hated white people. Must have been ra- racially motivated. He was Asian. No, of course not. It doesn't work like that. And again, I don't know if we spoke about this in the previous podcast with what happened to the massage parlor workers in Atlanta. Mm. And it was Bill Maher who first made this argument. And he's, I like him a lot and he's liberal, but he sees things, I think, through a very clean lens, a very clear lens. And he said, it's not a hate crime what happened there, that this guy was mentally imbalanced. He was fucked up. He was spending too much time and money in massage parlors. So he went in with machine gun and killed them all. And they could have been all Armenian sex workers and he would have killed them. It's not the fact that they were Asian workers. That's not why he killed them. It is not a hate crime. And it was not meant as a, a, a COVID. No, yeah, it's all your fault. We're going to kill you. It had nothing to do with that. And it was Bill Maher who said that. And well, I completely embraced that. I don't know if the you media remember. is adding flame to the fuel to the fire. Do you remember that scene in The Jerk, Steve Martin's The Jerk, where he's working at the gas station and the guy's trying to kill him and he's like the sniper and he misses and he keeps shooting at Steve Martin, but he keeps missing and he keeps hitting all the oil cans that are on display. Right. And Steve Martin's like, he's shooting at these cans. He hates the cans. Everybody get away from the <laughs> That's cans. That's really clever. Yes. And it's kind of the it same is. issue. It is. I mean, could you imagine if you go into a nail salon and you murder everybody, then it's, they go, oh, you must hate Vietnamese no, people. No, they're making a link there. That, yes, there is Asian hate crime going. Yes, but not with that specific example. Right. That example does not fit that narrative. Right. And it was Bill Maher. I've heard him say that a week well, and a half ago. I, Bill, Nahr, I, Bill Maher, I, I disagree with on many issues, but he he's, he's, understands his his point of view. And he, he calls it like he sees yeah, it. Yeah. And you know what I what I, what I appreciate, about, appreciate about him is that he's even-handed. And he's quick to say, Democrats are wrong here. Yes. And Republicans are wrong here. And yes. so now you can trust what he has to say. Right, right. But these people that, that swallow whole cloth, what the Democrats or the Republicans or the Libertarians, with no mistakes, like, no, they are infallible. Everything Biden has done has been perfect. Okay, well, then you that, that's you have compromised the integrity of that's your That's frightening thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. There. Okay. This is a political podcast, right? Yeah, back to movies, please. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I mentioned the jerk. That, like, got a tor- into oh, that's he justified it. By the way, I never saw the jerk. You didn't see it. I don't like movies. You just live it. Movies. <laughs> hey, hamana hamana hamana. Some are old, some are new. We now present the week in review. Yeah, but is someone like sponsoring this segment? AVGearGuy.com. Do tell. AVGearGuy.com has over thirty years of experience in the business of transferring all of your non-digital media into digital media. This is all of your old slides and old home movies, all of that stuff. You send it over AVGearGuy.com, and he'll turn it into a file so you can share it via the interwebs. Via the interwebs. <laughs> Internet. We're both clients of his, and we like. He's a good guy to work with. He did all my slides. His prices are extremely reasonable, less expensive than Costco. Like him on Facebook, and uh, he runs these discounts every now and then. Uh, State of the art equipment, avgearguy.com. I'm going to go first. Oh. Basically, because I I watched a bunch of television of uh, I watched Superstore. I think I mentioned it to you 
last week, right? Uh, did you mention it? I thought I did. Uh, Maybe I didn't. Briefly say it again. Uh, uh, Start watching Super. It's basically a uh, uh, like a, a sitcom. You did, but it's set in like a Walmart. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also watched Fantasia. Oh, this daughter of yours. Yeah. Yep, she's having quite an influence on you. Yeah. The original. Yeah. Because there was also a, a, a I did not sequel watch the new one yet. Right, right. And now this is interesting. How does that movie hold up? Is it as special and magical as when you first saw it? Well, I think you're assuming that it was special and magical when I first saw it. Oh, I had a fallacy mm. in my question. <laughs> you didn't care for the original? Uh, when, you first I, saw when I saw it? the original, I was like, this is good. And I don't keep in mind, I didn't watch it when I was a kid. Right, right. I watched it when I was an adult. I watched it, actually, I think in college. Was the first time I'd ever seen it, um, and so and I when I first saw it, I was like, "It's okay," and I watched it again. and went, "This is better than I remember, but still not incredible." It's good. What was Mickey doing carrying those buckets of water? You remember that, that scene there? So that, that was that it's, was it's divided into different sequences, yeah. right? So there's different different musical numbers that correspond to the different animation, and that particular segment is a a segment based off of like an ancient tale of a sorcerer and the apprentice right. who thinks they know how to do the sorcerer's magic and then they get into trouble and then they like something gets carried away gets out of hand and so that's what was happening with that it was mickey cast a spell on the broom for the broom to like put the water and like go get the buckets of water from the fountain and put it into the wizard's cauldron or whatever and it gave and me the heebie-jeebies yeah, and then he fell asleep that's and then he woke up and it was like flooding everywhere yeah, he couldn't yeah, stop it yeah did the mickey part give you the heebie-jeebies uh, the water i just remember it getting out of control yeah so the the part that gives most people the heebie-jeebies is the part at the end which is the last the last segment first of all the movie is very dark it, and i don't just mean like lighting wise but it's like it's kind of a twisted movie it's also experimental i mean what kids movie is an, can you name an experimental kids no, movie no and this is it's very interesting it's animated it has mickey mouse in it this is i like it for that reason it's very anti-wave there's no narrative i mean i guess that there's a mini narrative within the overall film but um the part that gets most people is Night on Bald Mountain, which is um, the sequence that shows Satan pulling up all of the dead people from this village and like coming up the, to the mountain and then like light and hope, um, you know, emerge. And then they play Ava Maria and he basically kind of like dies and becomes part of the mountain. And it's twisted. I mean, it's one of these things that like Joanna was watching. I was like, this is kind of making me feel a little uncomfortable. This is like brought to you by the same people who did the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. And not that far Within later, a handful right? of years. Yeah, right, 1940 right. was yeah. Fantasia. And I think Seven Dwarfs was like early 30s, mid-30s. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, think, I, thought, I think we talked about this earlier we did. in previous podcasts. Yeah. So one, th- one thing that was kind of of note, they... So we... Okay. We watched it on Disney Plus and Disney Plus has slapped a... Uh, you know, not for younger viewers rating on it. And Joanna looked into, well, why? Why is that? Well, it turns out that there were there's one sequence within Fantasia. One sequence got cut, and that sequence is pretty controversial. But this, I can't remember exactly why. 
something. But in this sequence, uh, there was one sequence with like these Pegasus or cent- what, what, cent- what's it called? The, what's the mythological creature? The cent- centaur? Centaur. Mm-hmm. And there were... Half horse, half human. Right, right. There were a bunch of centaurs. And I guess they slapped a label on it because the green centaur went off with the other green centaur and the purple one went off with the purple one instead of mixing and matching. And basically kind of like they should be integrating more. Wow. Where's the centaur diversity? Right. And I saw that and was like, really? I was like, that seems kind of kind of weird. And then in the Night of the Bald Mountain, there were some demons that were popping up and some of them were female and it showed their nipples. And I was like, I'm going to bet it's probably this. They said it was because of the diversity. I hope that's not the case. Right. Because if you're... If you're okay showing demon nipples, but you're not okay showing the lack of diversity, yeah, yeah, that, we got a real problem yep. on our hand. Wow, wow, boy! First Pepe Le Pew, now this. Did you hear about? The, I'm going to change the subject. This probably probably should have been brought up in the news. There was a okay last year. Do you remember? Do you remember WAP? WAP? Do you remember this video? I do, that and I can out? tell you what that stands for. What? what does it stand for? Oh, I know the two out of the three letters. What? Well, wet something pussy. Wet ass pussy, yeah. You're surprised I know that. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you remember when that came out? Did you see the video for it? I have seen the video, yes. And it was very, like... Erotic, sexually yeah, erotic, extremely and sexual, over the top, right? and, very, and then of course they performed at the Grammys. Yeah, and I know, everybody I know, I know. So this week, there's a new video that came out, not by Cardi B, it's somebody else. It was by Lil Nas X. You know Lil Nas X, right? Oh yeah. And mischief, and they they put out a video where Lil Nas X um, does a he he does a lap dance on Satan, and Satan. I think butt fucks him in the video and to coincide with the release of the video, they are releasing a pair of shoes, you know, like Jordan's you can buy people. It's big sneaker culture, right? Mm -hmm. So people buy specialty shoes. So they've built these shoes that are all red and they made 666 pairs, six, six, six. Wow. And uh, they're selling it for 1000, $40, $40, and it's, that's because Luke 10, 40, Luke chapter 10, verse 40 or 14, they, it says like, uh, you know, this Satan emerged from the heavens. So it's all tying in with Satan, and each shoe is made with a drop of human blood. So the issue is that the two centaurs The issue is we're canceling Dr. Seuss, <laughs> and this shit yeah, is going yeah. on. And Mr. Potato Head, yes. and Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, when we can show someone uh, being uh, fucked in the ass by the devil. Don't get me wrong. Show the fucking in the ass by the devil. I have no problem with that. Right. But don't censor the silly. That don't censor right. Mr. Right. Potato Head and like Land Lakes Indian. And uh, what the fuck are we doing? I know. What are we doing? Yeah. Anyway. I still think we're going through an overreaction and the pendulum will, swift, will shift back in the middle. Well, again, getting back to the news, I should have sent this to you because I'm not sure if you heard about it. Did you hear about Tom Hanks's son? Not Colin. What's the other one? There is another son. I don't know his the, name. The Why? one that always gets in trouble. Yeah. He came out this uh, this week as saying that this summer will be the white boy summer. 
I've been reading about that son that he's pretty controversial with a lot of his comments. Yeah. Poor Tom. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I'm, maybe you'll get your wish. Or maybe the pendulum will swing back. Maybe it'll be the, hot, the white boy summer. And, ah, yeah. Be our turn. It was BLM summer last last yeah. year. And yeah, things go in cycles. Yeah. Blacks. Next, now it's the Asian. Next, next year will be the Jews. Yeah. Jew, J, JLM, Jewish Lives Matter. Mm. No, no, they don't. It's starting to sound like Hitler now. Ooh, yeah. Can a Jewish person who practices Judaism and is like involved, can they be anti-Semitic? I've often felt I'm anti-Semitic. Mm. Yeah. I said practicing. Uh, oh, never mind. Yeah. What'd you watch this week? Okay, there's three things I want to mention. Um, are you familiar with a film titled Cul-de-Sac? No. Does that mean anything to you? No. This is interesting. Roman Polanski. This is Roman's second movie. I think Repulsion was his first. He did this movie in 1966. Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance was Donald Pleasance. He's, yeah, right. He's always he's always the same, and he was even more disturbing in this film. And um, it's in black and white. And what's interesting is only two years before he directed Rosemary's Baby. Hmm. So Rosemary's Baby was 68. This was 1966. Black and white. It's an odd film. It's terrifying, and it's also very humorous and somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Um, and it's funny because in the closing credits, it had Jackie Bissett before she became a Jacqueline Bissett, hmm. and it was her first movie, so I watched that. I'm Is gonna, it good? No. Hmm. It was odd. It was like experimental and weird, and the whole thing took place in this one house with um, bad people uh, kidnapping uh, a sex pot. A sex oh, pot. A sex, sex pot. pot. Yeah. I really thought you said well, sex bot. Oh, no. I'm like, they kidnapped a robot? That's in the sequel. You know, I'm going to cheat on my number two, and I am going to go for a TV series, but I want to share this with you. It was pretty powerful for me the other night on my favorite TV show, The Fugitive. There was an episode called Wife Killer, and it was very rare because it's the only episode in the four-year run where we had both Dr. Richard Kimball and the one-hour man and Lieutenant Gerard in the same scene. Not only in the same hour episode, but all... You're looking at me like, Ira, no, why I'm, are you talking about this? I have this? a question. Yes. Was the one-armed man a regular character? Yes. Oh. Oh, yes. And in season four, he was featured a lot in a lot of the episodes. They were building to a climax. But there was the one-armed man as an actor. And he got typecast, of course. And that's all he was known for. Oh, he really only yeah. had one arm? He really only had one arm. Oh. Yes. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've, I mean, There was a Kirk the Douglas movie. movie that he was in, the actor. And he actually beats up Kirk Douglas with one arm. Yes. Wow. Um, I forgot the Kirk Douglas movie. So, at any rate, that's what he did. All three in the same scene. But what I'm trying to say, here's but the link. Can I ask about please, that? Please, please. Like, because I, I want to go off on this for just yeah. a minute. So, they, they're all in the same scene. Yes. Where most scenes with Richard Kemble and... The one-armed man. I imagine it's going to be like, you're the guy. Yes. And I got to capture you and turn you in to kind of prove my innocence. Yes. And him trying to evade. But then you said this is the first scene with all three of them. Three in one shot. So what's the guy's name that's chasing him? Uh, Lieutenant Gerard. So Lieutenant Philip Gerard, who became Lieutenant Sam Gerard in the feature film. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they, they changed yeah, it from Philip Sam. to Sam. So is Phil. Yes. I, I call him Gerard, Phil. Yeah. yeah. Is he, did he have scenes with Kimball? Uh, yes. Regularly? Yes. He was in 22 episodes, 22 episodes out of all of them for the four-year run. Oh, okay. They wanted to do it sparingly. They didn't want to overdo it and have uh. the lieutenant who's obsessed with Dr. Kimball's capture. 
And as the show progressed, this is really true, that even Lieutenant Gerard, as the show went into its third and fourth year, was realizing Kimball might be innocent, but it doesn't matter. The courts found him guilty. I've got to bring him back. So he wrestled with that angst. We saw him wrestle with that angst. But I guess what I'm saying is, so he had scenes with Kimball? I would imagine most of his scenes would Shooting. be... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like shootouts. Chasing him. Chasing, shootout, ah, fistfights. The show got a little bit silly in its second year and third year with Lieutenant Gerard. There was one episode where um, uh, the, uh, Lieutenant Gerard is about to be uh, hanged by these people in the South, and Kimball actually saves his life. Oh. And then there's another episode with Lieutenant Gerard's son, and Kimball is with him and saves his life. I'm not making this up. And there's an episode, they're running thin on story ideas. There was an episode with Lieutenant Gerard's wife. And sure <laughs> enough, yeah, he saves her life. So he's always saving people's lives. So that's why Lieutenant Gerard, or maybe he didn't kill his wife after all. He's saving my whole family one at a time. Maybe I'm going after the wrong guy after Starting all. Starting with me. Starting right. Well, okay. So but now my final question. Yes, Before we yes. move on to your whole point, I'm yeah, sorry that's I'm okay, that's okay. I'm going okay. to drill down on yeah. this. Did Phil have scenes with the unarmed man regularly? No, only in the final episode, which was a two-parter called The Judgment. Okay. Right. That's right. the only time they ever shared They were together. Okay. Right, 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 right. But in this particular episode, it was a little bit contrived. It was. And it was in a Well, this a is universe. The Judgment, right? No, I'm not talking about The Judgment now. I'm talking about in episode three. I'm going back to this one time, and it was called Wife Killer. Oh, okay. And in this particular episode, it was in the third year of the show's four-year run. And uh, at this university, they were doing experiments on sleep deprivation. And they had the one-armed man. And there he was. They kept him awake for a week and a half. And you start saying things, according to this episode, that where you're, you're not protecting yourself. Your defenses are down. And you speak the truth, but it's not guarded truth. And he says, yeah, yeah, I killed her. She wanted to claw my eyes out. Hit her over the head with lamp. Bitch deserved it. I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. And Kimball is there. And he hears the words. And he's got it on tape. This is at the university. But then Gerard shows up in that same scene. And there's a huge fist fight. And then the one-armed man snaps to it. And he's suddenly awake and he's alert. And he grabs the reel-to-reel tape recorder, grabs the tape, and happens to put it in a vat of acid, which just happened to be there. So it destroys the tape. Yeah, most, most research <laughs> facilities have acid just laying around. Well, this college university did. So then the run, the chase goes on. That's what happened. But what I want to tell you, here's where I'm going to link it to and, films. And wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not done. I want to drill. I want to know more about this. Do tell. This is what season now? Three? Third season. Okay, so... This, they all three did share the screen at the same time. Yes, in but this one you episode. You said that that only happened at the judgment. No, okay. Okay. You were asking now about about Lieutenant Gerard. Yeah. And and the one our man. man. And they have a they fight. They have a, a, a tuffle. They 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 have a fisticuff. But this in this episode, Wife Killer, all three are in the same so if I misspoke, yes, but all three characters are in the same shot. That had never been done before up to the judgment. Okay, so they do it in the judgment. Yes. Maybe not all three of them, but... Right. Phil and one-armed man have a scene together. Yes. And Phil and the one-armed man have a scene together in season three, but also with our our boy. Yes, our boy. You mean yeah. Dr. Richard Kimball? Yes. Man falsely accused of murdering his wife, retrieved by fate when a train wrecked freedom on route to the death house, freedom to run, freedom to change his identity, freedom to toil at many jobs, freedom to run for the police lieutenant obsessed with his capture. Da, 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 da. No, the other guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> it starred Kevin. You're so no, animated right now. It, I love star- it. it starred Kevin McCarthy. Oh. That's, I'm linking it. And oh. Kevin, see, I'm finally making him justifying this long-winded story because Kevin McCarthy, who happened to be in two Body Snatcher movies. Yeah. Two Body not, Snatcher not movies. One. Yeah, I want to say something before we leave The Fugitive. We're about to bid farewell to The Fugitive. Does it hold up 53 years later? Some of the episodes are melodramatic, a little bit cheeseballed, even like this one with the vat of acid, and it's a little bit convenient and contrived. Of course it is. It was. I found the episodes to be melodramatic, but some of them were really good, but one thing's for damn sure. The show was in black and white for the first three years. Fourth year, it went in color. They were much better in black and white. It mm. just felt better. Now, that can be because of my childhood memories, watching the show, and it felt more comfortable, but I think certain things like the original Outer Limits, the original Twilight Zones... Just look better in black and white. I, I have a bunch of questions here. Yeah. Did you watch season four in color or yeah. did you watch it in black and white? In color. Did we you a have color a color TV. set? Oh, okay. Yeah, we did. We did. You mm-hmm. didn't go out and buy one because it was coming? Because, hey, don't put that past me. But yeah. no, we got one. So I could watch Bonanza. That was the big thing. You know what the really big thing was when color TV and we got our color? It was the Peacock. The NBC Peacock, uh, the following program is brought to you in living color by NBC, and they play that harp boom, music. Boom, boom. Yeah, and then the Peacock, and it would be colors. Yeah. And you know what? That was a big thing in Bonanza. The TV show in Bonanza was a big thing to be able to see that in color. So I'm not done with Fugitive yeah. yet. We're yeah. not done. Sorry, I, I have more questions yeah. oh, about Oh, please it. do. Okay. You say it's your favorite TV show. Well, first of all, let's mm, go back. I, I, like the, I like a lot of these shows because i i've never seen the fugitive but i imagine the fugitive is similar to shows like the a team and MacGyver, where like every week there's like a new uh, you, you're on in a new adventure and you're in a whole new world like you you wander into a new town ta- like kung fu you exactly know, like, or, it's like route 66 yeah, yeah it's an anthology yeah. right that's it's an anthology show and so you're meeting the new person of yes. the week that has a problem yes. and you got to help this yes like this small town yes. out and fight the yes. town Yes, and, and Bruce Stern was in every other episode. Oh, really? <laughs> he was. It's very funny. He was in more than that. So was Brenda Vaccaro, by the way. Oh. So Bruce Stern was in every other episode. But it was, in, in fact, a number of the episodes had nothing to do with the fact that he was a fugitive. A lot of the episodes had nothing to do with that. He just went to a town and helped make the place better because he was Dr. Kimball. <laughs> Yeah. Falsely accused of murdering his wife. Retrieved by family. It's okay. It's okay. We got we to get out. So the other thing, too, is you say, all right, that's your favorite TV show. If there was only one show left mm. to watch, you would watch The Fugitive over The Prisoner? I know. Those are my two favorites. I knew you were going to bring that what up. What about What's My Line? Now see, I'm, I'm I'm wrecking your world. You're here. really you're fucking with me. If I I like this. If I was stranded on an island for the rest yeah. of my life and I had one TV show to watch, we're deleting all TV shows. All TV shows are going to be gone, Ira, except for the one TV show. Is it one know. episode? Or no, I can watch the no, show the, all the, the way through TV the run. Show, yeah. You know what? I think with What's My Line, because it was so variable with the different people, the different celebrities, the different panel members, the different mystery guests. I mean, I told you a couple of weeks ago how it was really just, it was priceless how Muhammad Ali, and you weren't surprised to hear that, he was so childlike when he was disguising his voice and talking like this, and the panelists had the blindfolds on, and he was like, he was so having a blast, and it was so much fun to see a different side of Muhammad Ali. I mean, he was cracking up and hitting John Charles Daly laughing when, you know, Arlene Francis would say, so you're not a movie star, but you are a performer. Yeah. 
this? And everyone, went, he was loving it. And I love that stuff. I think I'd pick What's My Line because it would be so different. Every episode would be different. So <laughs> when someone asks you, what's your favorite TV oh show? Oh, my God. You're fucking with me now. I can't say The Fugitive or The Prisoner. I've got to go to What's My Line? But that's not lofty. <laughs> That's very and base. The, You're fucking with the my... The Fugitive my, is lofty? It's a highly regarded... No, Stephen King said it is the best TV show in the history of television. Well, what does he know? Okay. <laughs> I might have to change my narrative here. Yeah. I know What's, you're not comfortable with that. I'm not, I don't like what I'm That's saying. That's why I asked the I don't tough like, questions. I'm getting squirmy. I'm squir- Look at my body language. I'm not a happy camper <laughs> you, right you now. You really are legitimately. I am so fucked you're, up with you're my You're fidgeting. Head. You're moving. You're so animated. All right. So until this. next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so is it safe to say that? Would you say, what's my line? Intellectually, your you're making a really sound argument, a legitimate case. But damn it, I still want to fight you on it. Is there, I mean, is it that the nostalgia of a big the part fugitive? Of, of course it is. It's just memories. It is. And watching the parents. final episode with my mom and my dad and my, my then girlfriend. And when I did take pictures off the TV, camera on a tripod with a cable release, and I still have all the slides of the final fugitive episode. And I hooked up my reel to reel tape recorder, and they had alligator clips. Mm-hmm. And so I attached them to the speakers in the back of the TV, and I recorded the final episode. It was very important to me. So I got audio and visual of the final episode you know I, it's an important night 1967 summertime so you you did that so that you could kind of relive the last episode I knew it was you... important I knew it was an important night and up to that time it was the most highly it was the most highly watched weekly reoccurring TV show you must have been so into this show for you to have for you to have so, hooked up speakers well I did that for the Smothers Brothers also <laughs> I did. I still have all that stuff. Yeah. Smothers Brothers off the TV set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You should transfer that stuff. Uh, I did. Oh. Oh, yes. AVGearGuy.com. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but did you transfer the the audio? I still have that on my reel-to-reel tape recorder. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. should transfer that. I really should. It's all on YouTube. And is you it? Almost, yes, every episode is on YouTube. So you almost make the argument, well, then why are, why have my oh, slides yeah, the, the, the if the it's on bother. YouTube? <laughs> but, I mean, Smothers Brothers? I mean, I don't know. Some I have Ed stuff. Sullivan introducing the Beatles for the first time. I recorded that off the TV because I knew that was going to be an important night. How did you know? Here's the thing. How did people know oh, the, the, that the Beatles were going to be hoopla. so... No, the energy, the hoopla, that's all people But what talk. I'm saying is I, th- I always thought like the, the big break was Ed Sullivan... On Ed Sullivan's show. But they knew... But the girls were already going crazy Yeah, they were all screaming. Beforehand. So they already knew. Yeah. And your question is, well, how they knew if they were being exposed for the first time? Right. That's an interesting circle argument. Right. Yeah, how did they know that? How did you know it was going to be such a big deal Because that's all it? people were talking about all week. On Ed Sullivan, finally, the Beatles will be here. The Beatles... Yeah, and we heard their music. We heard of the Beatles. We oh. heard their music on the radio. Okay. So that, it wasn't that, the first time yeah, we heard that, the that Beatles. Makes sense. See what I mean? Yeah. So it was already in our consciousness, and we knew what to expect. But seeing them live on the Ed Sullivan. See, show? in my mind, it was we're going to sh- see them on Ed Sullivan. Who are these people and, with and a funny name? And then it's name. like, wow, what a cool song. Yeah. We should start playing this song yeah. now. No. But it wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes Twist sense. Twist and Shout right. was getting a lot of airplay before right. they did it on the Ed Sullivan show. Was that the song they did? They did three songs. Uh, yeah. What did they do? Uh, Twist and Shout and two others. 
<laughs> Penny Lane. No, that was yesterday. Before Penny Lane. That was before yesterday. That came a few years later. Imagine. Yeah, no, no, that was like ten years later. That's very funny. He, yeah. Paul McCartney did some wing stuff. <laughs> the plastic Odo band. <laughs> What would it's so great if like all right they, that was three songs by the Beatles everybody give a round of applause next up Yoko Ono <laughs> the entire audience just gets yeah. stone yeah, silent gets real quiet yeah you yeah. Bird, like, uh, yeah. that's very funny yeah people start murmuring Paul is dead, <laughs> Paul is dead. <laughs> hey I want to mention one other film yeah I think you're gonna roll your eyes. And it was on broadcast TV a few nights ago. I've seen it before. Jim Cobb. I like this movie a lot. Limitless. Wait, which one? Was Limitless the one where he gets the, the shot? The pill. Uh, the pill and makes him like, gives like superhuman. It's really a nifty movie. Have you seen it? I've seen it, yeah. I, I think you felt. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Okay, but this is 2011. Bradley Cooper yeah. was really good in this film. And Robert De Niro also. They were both in Silver Lining Playbook. Mm-hmm. How about that? I think they and did something else together too. They, they did. I think didn't they, they did a few yeah, things three together. movies together. Um, and and the pill that give you full potential of your brain. But I think it was actually look. It was a comic book movie. It's yeah. one of those. It's yeah. one of those. But I was entertained for two hours. It was a nifty film. It was a great story with a cool third act. And Bradley was terrific. And either you buy into the premise or you don't. And it's one of those movies where you it's popcorn. You go along for the ride or you choose not to. That's what I saw this week. You know, speaking of De Niro, I saw this week. And it's been around for a long time. And I just never saw it until recently. Are, are you f- familiar with deep fakes? You know what those are? I know about that. And I know about that site. De Niro, what did they, they, what they, did, did they do to They him? did a De Niro deep fake of... The Irishman, in which we reviewed on this podcast, yeah, yeah. but they took The Irishman and then they did a deep fake with De Niro on De Niro, and it looks really good. It looks better than the movie, and so, like the kind of question is like, if their CG stuff isn't as good as the deep fake, why are they doing the CG stuff? I mean, to be fair, they're doing De Niro on top of a CG De Niro. Right. So they've computer generated him and then they're doing using that as like the base of their deep fake. Right. So the deep fake is really good because it's based on something else. But if they had just gone that extra step, then the deep they could have used the deep fake stuff for the movie and it would have just been great. <laughs> Talk about ironic. Yeah. This deep fake stuff, do you find this to be a frightening rabbit hole? It's kind of scary. I, don't you find it scary that they can do anything? Yeah. They can do anything. Yeah, I think it's uh, the problem is it still looks a little off. Does it? There's a there's a deadness in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of they look soft focus like they're not focusing on anything. It's kind of a glaze on the eyes, which could just be Ira not really listening to you. I'm sorry, what? Exactly. Um but the the glaze over the eyes is kind of indicative, but if you I think if you give them a few more years, it's going to get perfected. Yeah, you'll you'll have the unglazed eyes. Then we we start to have a problem. I know. Where, you know, I with even with Twister a handful of years ago, where we saw yeah. the cow flying, and I I mumbled, "Wow, they can do anything now." Not quite, because even that. But now, man, they're right at the threshold, aren't they? Yeah. And there's something that is a rabbit hole. And there's and no the, you know they're back. doing porn with like celebrities' know, faces know, and stuff, and it's like yeah, not that I've seen that stuff, but I've heard about it. Maybe you've just been in it. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it's 
I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. It's inevitable, right? You can't stop this from happening. It's going to happen. There's no turning it off. You can't. You can't put a hey, this is a uh, this is a deep fake, you know, warning up because not everybody's going to listen to that. And they don't put in the upper right hand corner. Uh, they don't put a, a watermark, deep fake. But that's what I mean. Like somebody might, but, but they don't have to. They don't have it's, to. It's it's. How can you start to trust video anymore? I know. And that's been pretty reliable up to this point. And with social media the way it is, you know, yeah. with YouTube and Facebook and all that, and people will see this stuff and start thinking it to be real. It's crazy when you think about just the amount of recorded data that was created in the past 10 years. You know, the iPhones and how many pictures have been taken and just like, uh, you rewind to 20 years ago, people... I mean, photographers took pictures. Maybe hobbyists took pictures. You would take some snapshots when you're on vacation, and that was it. That was pretty much all the pictures that were being taken. Now it's and, and you'd only keep the best of the best, right? Right, with negatives and have them printed. Yeah, and that would. But now, I mean, there's truly, hard drives. Remember that story we heard about in China, where there's like areas filled with dirt. And what's the word I'm looking? And with with kids looking at old computer hard drives oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. seeing pictures of of a wedding of people they don't know. Yeah. A landfill. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for yeah. in a landfill, and they're like being entertained, looking at photographs of people they don't know. It's bizarre. That's trippy. That's fucking weird. <laughs> it's all out there. Anyway, hey man. Probably about time we talk about <laughs> Oh, let's skip that. This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> All right. And Robert, <clears throat> talk us through it. Man, I don't even know if I can. Uh, A.V. Al Farrow. Alan V. Farrow is a documentary miniseries, I guess. Four, sort of. Four-part series that uh, follows and chronicles the relationship between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. Uh, talks about their their whole relationship from beginning to end and along the way how alan uh was accused of diddling his adopted daughter who i always thought was the son my mistake dylan i always thought dylan was a boy wow okay i want to interject something before we get to the documentary and the charges and so on because because I'm older than you, I just want to give some background, contextual stuff here. Um, Actually, I'm really glad <laughs> you're doing do this because I, I no, like this stuff. I really find a need yeah. to do this before we go into the actual documentary that I want to tell you that not just for me, but for many people in the late, starting in the mid to late 60s, all through the 70s, 80s and 90s and beyond that, when a Woody Allen movie came out, it was special. Yeah. And there was something about a movie that was directed by this skinny Jewish nerdy intellectual New Yorker a movie that was going to be funny witty and as the years went on really good serious movies too not just comedy shtick but it was a it was an important night when I'd go out on my dates into Westwood Village to see the new Woody Allen movie and I want to say this to you and let me just rattle this off very very close with uh, you know, take the money and run and bananas that were silly movies. Play it again, Sam is a brilliant film. He didn't that's the only one he did not direct. He didn't direct mm. that one, but he directed everything else I'm about to rattle off with Sleeper, Love and Death, 
was underappreciated. I think Love and Death was a terrific movie. Annie Hall, Manhattan, Zelig, Broadway Danny Rose. I want to say Mia was really good in that film. Mm. She was the mall, you know, and the brassy, a uh, gum chewing. Uh, she was she was just having so much fun in that role, and and with um, and her sisters and Radio Days and and so many other films. And it was a cause of celebration, the new Woody Allen movie, to go and rush out to Westwood Village to see it on a date. I have such fond memories of that dynamic. And I just want to mention that to you to put it all in context. Well, I and I feel like, too, you would be... I, I have a feeling you're going to agree with what I'm going to say, but I think the 60s and 70s were... They were to sexual liberation what the what 2020 was to racial discussion <laughs> yeah, yeah. well said well said right i mean it's perfect analogy it's like everybody was into let your freak flag fly take your bra off you know people having sex at woodstock and shit like that and that was 60s and 70s and i think woody allen was a part of that like he was very much into sexual elements and how that how that relates to relationships i mean that that was his bag right was talking about those kinds of things so mm-hmm. to me the idea of doing a movie like manhattan where he is what 40 something and dating a 17 year old yep she's still in high school it was controversial but i think at the time First of all, I think it was probably what was going on in his life, right? He probably was dating somebody about right. that age and probably wasn't as big of a deal as it would be today. Is that fair to say? Of course. It was not. People didn't even... If I, I, remember, I saw the movie with my mom, uh. and it was not brought up an older man stripping a 17-year-old girl. We didn't have a problem with that then. I think you Isn't did have a problem, but not as big. Not, it was not like of... now, but I don't think I I didn't have a problem with it. Oh, I mean, sure I, why would I have a problem with that? But I'd be curious. You know what? I'd be curious to read the reviews then yeah. when the movie was first. To see if they referenced that. I'd be real curious. To I'm sure they did, but I, I, I would but imagine more forgiving, it would be more of like, well, that's kind of sleazy. That's, that's, well, that's Woody. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of, I, I think it was just a different era of that. That doesn't excuse that kind of behavior. I think it is. I mean, it's, that's pretty predatory, you know, and it's certainly illegal. I mean, he makes reference to it in the movie, right? In in this movie, they showed us... Predatory? Well... I don't know if it was predatory. It's Predatory there. has a connotation. I don't think it was a predatory of his part. His character to do that? I think there's a... there's a. She went along with it willingly. Well, that's true, but, I mean, the question is, is she of age to give consent? Right, right. right. If she's 18... There's no question. Like that's that's our line, that's where we draw the line. I mean, I uh, one of my favorite movies is Shop Girl, and the relationship that Claire Danes has with Steve Martin, and then also with Jason Schwartzman's character that you know is of her of age. Right. She can't really. She's she's caught between these two worlds. Right. And there is something I think that is uh, magnetic about an older man who's kind of sure of himself, who's successful. He's kind of got his shit together. And you don't want it's to a deal trope. with boys. It's a trope that it's been done. Right. And it's sometimes it's been done beautifully well. Right. And so I think he's kind of playing into that. He's like, well, here's a role that I could play. Uh, here's something that's of interest to me is the relationship between, you know, this 
younger girl and how she relates to someone who's much older, but the insecurities that lie with him going, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, this, this is so far out of my league. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be here. I get all of that. The question is, does that start to set the tone for who Woody Allen is in his private life? And I mean, if we're going to roast the guy over going for young girls, I, I think there's just a, there's such a difference between a 17 year old or a a 16 year old nubile versus a 10 year old. I mean, how old was Dylan? She was, she was five. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. That just doesn't, that, that doesn't equate to me. I don't, I don't see those two things as being the same. Right. Being attracted to a young female is testosterone. There's a, there's a difference between 17 and 5. Yeah. That's what you're saying. There's 12. 12 is the difference, actually. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a huge difference in terms of, like, a 17-year-old, especially depending on which 17-year-old I'm talking about, that 17-year-old could look 28, you know, and they got, they've got tits, they've got pussy hair, they've got a, an ass, they've got all of that stuff. And... There's very little difference between what you would find under the clothing of a 28-year-old versus a 17-year-old. Especially if you're Margot Hemingway. Right. So now, but a five-year-old, and we're talking about Dylan. Right. Obviously, there's a lot of difference right. there. Right, right. And that's something different. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not excusing that behavior. Like, I don't think that, but but we have to be able to separate. We have to be able to compartmentalize. Right. Just because you steal a car doesn't make you a murderer, mm-hmm. right? And in this case, if he did steal the car, I'm willing to convict on that charge. But this is murder, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at. And it's like, just because we can't say, well, you're a criminal. Criminals commit murders. It's like, well, yeah, but they also don't commit all right, right. crimes. But I want to steer back to the documentary itself. And I, I want to remind you that he was accused, never found guilty. He was, no charges were filed and he was never convicted. Well, the documentary certainly seems pretty weighted in that direction. What do you think? Yeah. Again, I want to go back to Bill Maher for one second. Mm-hmm. I love what he said last week, talking about this documentary. He said, even the title of it, Alan versus Farrell. He said, it's like, it's a it's not these two people, one versus the other. The name of this documentary, he said, should be called the Mia story. Mm-hmm. And that's so, and I was home by myself and I applauded. I applauded. This was really, really slanted and it was so biased. There was no objectivity at all. Now this brings up a fascinating question. We've broached this once before. Is it the role of a documentary to be objective, to show all sides or not now? When I was a journalism student, objectivity was the goal in the news reports and so mm-hmm. on. But then things shifted, even with documentaries and news stories, that you can have a point of view. You can have a definite point of view. And, and I remember still when we had that, our guest, Kathy Wexler, about two or three years ago, and she said, well, there's no such thing of objectivity in a film unless you want to have a camera focused on a flower and watching it grow. But even that would lack objectivity depending on angle and lighting and we can see it in a different way, you know? That pure objectivity does not exist. Yeah, what about the flower growing right next to it that you're not showing? Yeah, 
That's right. Right. So what we you, saw what you uh, decide to exclude. Yes, what you exclude your, is so powerful. That's part of it's your probably more powerful than what you're showing. Right. Is what you're not showing. Right. And that applies to this particular documentary. Right. So is the goal to be objective, and even with like the other documentaries, Bowling for Columbine, and so on, that they're all one-sided. But I'm going to tell you that in my mind, this documentary reeked of one-sidedness. So how? Explain to me how how that was. They didn't show. Was there anyone interviewed in the four hours who defended Woody? No. How about that? Bingo. That's all I have to say to you. How about that? But I mean, the the producers had have written that they had. I know, out to Woody, too, but there's um, also been a response to that too. And Woody Allen also said in a quote, they brought this up just at the very, very last minute. But they said that they had a, a standing invitation that they would sit down with him whenever he wanted. And he chose to not do it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about, where do I begin here with, with Woody and his, he. Well, we should mention me, for anybody that's not familiar with this, a big part of the whole like push was that he fell in love with um oh what's her name the, yeah the adopted daughter um M- soon yang or something uh, okay whatever yeah okay yeah i'll get her name you but he, he okay so mia had a an adopted daughter already and sung sung lee sung soon ying soon ying yeah i think that's it. yeah it's all right close enough all right soon yi yeah it was soon yi right yeah so he fell in love with Sun Yi. They apparently were like, they were finding condoms and stuff in his, uh, in his apartment in Manhattan. And this happened either when she was in high school or in college. They say it was when she was in college, but some of the maids and stuff said that it could have been when, he, when she was still in high school. But apparently it became some sort of sexual relationship between him and the adopted daughter. And then Mia found out about it, was devastated, and that broke up the the marriage and some people are saying they were never married sorry the relationship and then they a lot of people have accused mia of kind of fabricating the whole dylan diddling as a retaliation against woody right yes yeah. that's, that's the oh that's right accusation is yeah. that because yeah. of all the stuff that happened with sung sung yi wait that's not her name what's her name We'll edit that in later. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Okay. We'll definitely go back and edit that in. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I just want to say that, you know, lumping Alan alongside, you know, Bill Cosby and Michael Jackson, Epstein. Soon Yi. And other celebrities. And they, because these people have been charged or convicted of multiple crimes going back decades. Alan was accused of one incident and not only never connect, uh, convicted, but he's never charged. And this is a perfect example. Robert, we've talked about this before about movies being, I think irresponsible because it's molding public awareness. It's, it's affecting us. It's easy to watch this movie and it appears to be damning. Mm -hmm. But if you really think about it, there's a profound lack, I think of objectivity. It's so one-sided. There's all the stuff I can go into with Mia has came from a very fucked up family. Mm -hmm. You know, one brother committed suicide. The other brother was a convicted pedophile. 
how about that? Yeah. And and we had the wrath of this woman doing whatever she could to ruin Woody's Rudy Woody's career. Also, the other Pharaoh, what's his name? Raymond. Ro, Ro, he's Roman. Roman. And he's being groomed to be uh, an executive producer at HBO for investigative documentaries. Mm. How about that? So I just want to remind you and our listeners that Woody has never been found guilty. He was never convicted. And and this movie is so biased. It's so distorting. You know what? Maybe he did do it. Here's what I want to say. Maybe he did. And we don't know. But watching this documentary... It's so damning that his career has been ruined. His latest movie has been pulled from Amazon Studios. He also wrote a book of memoirs. The publisher uh, uh, didn't want to publish the book now because of that. Mm -hmm. People who've appeared in his last film, A Rainy Day in New York, something like that, are apologizing to the media saying, I'm sorry I starred in this film. If I knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't have agreed to be in it. He's being found guilty in the court of a public consciousness not in a courtroom that's what i want to say well i think to you know to, to further your point dylan was a, one of the things that i had read about was that dylan had um at the time well documented the reason why she was going to see a therapist at age five was that she had um well documented extreme fantasies right. and she like was creating all of these wild scenarios that she believed to be real yeah and that's why she was going to see a therapist that's right that's right there was one uh, dr susan coates a family psychologist testified in 1990 that dylan was easily taken over by fantasy even when she was asked to describe a tree she got all trippy on it yeah. on the tree and another psychologist confirmed that said the same thing that there's no reality with her she has trouble differentiating between fact and fantasy i can okay <clears throat> i want to say something yeah. I've had many <clears throat> friends who've been on the spectrum of autism, you mm -hmm. know, like whether they've had like some severe autism or just some Asperger's. My best friends in high school were all on the spectrum and I knew I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew there's a commonality between all of them. And, and it's this thing. And as I got older, I realized, oh, it's, it's the autism spectrum. And Dylan has it. You can see that. You can see it in the interviews, in yeah. the documentary. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a way of Absolutely. talking, you and there's a little, like... Um, yes, yes. And there's a little bit of that. It's high-functional autism. I can see it. Which doesn't mean that it didn't happen, but um, there is there is a little... Uh, what am I, am I, am I victim-blaming? I'm not sure that that's the case, but... It, Kid seems a little bit off. Yeah. It, it puts doubt into into what she's saying. Yeah. Now, let me say something against Alan because what we're doing now is we're kind of we're being the rebuttal to the the. We are, but don't for, I want to interrupt. Don't forget my premise here is that maybe he is guilty. We don't <laughs> know. Well, let me tell and you. That's what so what was most damning for me hearing it, when I watched the 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 documentary. I I can tend to keep a pretty open mind and i'm like okay you're saying that but it could have been this it could have been that but the one part that made me feel like he probably did something was the interviews that mia recorded over the phone and it was like uh, i just don't because he doesn't know that she's recording it and he's 
the way that he's answering, he's not defending himself the way that someone who didn't do it would defend themselves in a private conversation. You know, when she's saying like, why did you do that? Where were you? And he was saying, you'll all, you'll find out. It'll all come out in, in the courtroom. Yeah. And instead, I think most people would be like, Mia, I fucking told you. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. How many times do I have to fucking tell you this? I'm, I didn't touch her. What are you talking? That's how it would come across. Agreed. Agreed. That audio tape is, is damning. It's, it's not what he says. It's the way that he's saying it. And it's like. But again, we're talking about three different things. It bothers me a lot that, thank you, it's not being found guilty in a court of law and those whole thing about how films can mold public opinion. We talked about the movie JFK, that more people saw that movie than those who read the Warren Report. Right. And it's affecting awareness and consciousness and opinion about, you know, did, did he work as a solo assassin and so on or not. So but I guess the question... It's, it's, a, it's just, a, he's being tried and found guilty instead of through the courts. And all the stuff that's, it's even... There's a, a mythology that he refuses to do a um, what's it called? The test, a polygram, polygraph, and, a polygraph, and he did, and he was found to be not guilty. I think he did a couple of them. Yes, yeah. but the awareness out there, he won't even do it. He he did it twice. So well, those are really inconclusive. So I I, know I wouldn't take it either way. If he did it and it came back as him lying, I'd be like, well, that's inconclusive though. I mean, those things are. I've heard that the people who I've, I'm not trained in it, but the people basically are like it'll we'll tell you whatever you want to see. You know, if you want to see that he's guilty, you could find that he's guilty, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, but here's my question to you: a gun to your head. Do you think he mm. did it? Do you think he diddled Dylan? I think there was some inappropriate fooling around. You think so? Yeah. But it still bothers me that this documentary was made and people are flocking to it and talking about it when he wasn't found guilty in a court of law. Um, I still like. I guess here, here's my. I, f- I feel like if I had to say, he probably did. Yeah. But I feel like um, it's weird that there was no other accusation that ever came out. And he's like what in his like fifties or sixties at this point. Right. Right. It's weird that that just that that, that doesn't happen. Where you never get accused of this ever before or since. Right. It's just one day you're right. like, you know what? I'm going to jerk off to a five-year-old butthole. Like, what are you talking about? There's our drop for the show. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like that, that just seems so bizarre to all of a sudden just be like, yeah, this seems like a good idea. That, that seems weird. And on top of that... Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you another question, but I forgot. Look what Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin has got his own issues, that's for sure. And he criticized the series. Oh. What, 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 what? So this is what I was going to ask you. Okay, so if he did it, right? Let's let's all, all of America knows that he did it. But he is never charged. He's never convicted. Does that mean that we should shun his career? There we go. Separation of the artist and, and the person. And I guess now, like... I think we as a culture really would be, we're never going to solve this, but what we really should do is kind of come to an understanding of like, look, until you're convicted, you're still innocent. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and really we should treat you as if you're innocent. And, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein, we talked about him being kicked out of the, uh, the Oscars well, before right. any of this stuff went down. And it's like, that's really premature. 
No, at this point, but now, even with Harvey, it was a pattern with many, many women. Right. And I think everybody believed it to be true. Right. And I don't doubt that he did that. Agreed. And now that he's convicted, if you want to pass that, I would say, yeah, I agree. Go for it. Like, I agree. Guys, guy did something and was convicted of it. So, okay, that that's fine to do. But when they're doing it, when like right after he's arrested, it's like, nah, man, you, you're being premature about it. This documentary has ruined his career. People are apologizing for being in his movies. The book I published, wonder because well, I'll will there bet still be you, a Woody Allen Film Festival? I, I'll bet because I'll tell you what. As soon as I watched it, I was like, you know what? I've never seen. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen Radio Days. I'd like to. I'd like it's to watch movie. that. It's a very nice movie. Yeah, and yeah. that's the kind of thing I'll. I'll yeah. bet you a yeah. dollar that his numbers have been skyrocketing. The streaming. Here's I, I embrace this with Alec Baldwin, and again, he's got his own issues, and we we know about his behavior. But he wrote, "Who needs courtrooms or rule of law when we have trial by media?" It's, and don't forget, it's Woody Allen who went public with the story in the first place. It wasn't, it wasn't Mia. Um, it bothers me that a documentary can be so one-sided that it's affecting public perception without being found guilty in a court of law. That's my premise. Let's get back to Neverland for a minute. You were talking about that before. Neverland was very one-sided. Um, it was really about the victims and their experiences but i believe every minute of it i do too it was a pattern with many many people right there's your difference i th i think you might be right this was yeah. with one person if it did happen and it probably did and even this one kid seems a little bit um off i will also say the the interview that mia does with Dylan. So, okay, if you watch the documentary, right after the supposed molestation happened, Mia had the wherewithal to flip on a video camera and start video recording some of the stuff that, that Dylan was saying. And fucking A, by the way, in the middle of that one, there, she does like three or four sessions with her where she's like kind of asking her, and she basically says, anytime she started talking about it, I turned the video camera on and for the next two or three days right in the middle of like one of the most important moments of like well wh what happened where did he touch you and like kind of getting into those questions the phone rings and totally inter interrupts the interview and it's like oh my gosh man at that point when she's like i can't talk to you right now i'm interviewing my daughter about being fucking molested go away but uh that was pretty damning for woody as well because the way that that dylan was saying it i don't know there was there was there was some believability there there were questions of that Mia was asking and Dylan didn't take the suggestion. The psychologist, I noticed it. And then the psychologist, they interviewed a psychologist saying, yeah, most children will just follow the suggestion right, that the adult right, is giving. Right. She was coaching. But Mia wasn't coaching. Well, yeah, it's the charge has been lodged that she's, was but there coached, was a one but, question that she right, asked that, right, the, right. that could have been a coached mm -hmm. question. And she said, no. Now that doesn't mean that, the false memory or the false idea wasn't implanted in her head. You know, if, if she is one to make up wild fantasies and then she's just reliving that moment over and over and over again. But Carly Simon changed the lyric in a song. Did you happen to read that? No, nah, something yeah, about that. About, you know, who makes you laugh and smile. And she had Woody Allen in there in some song she wrote. She changed it. She got rid of Woody's name. He's being canceled. 
Woody Allen is being canceled. Well, ar- arguably he was canceled before. It just this documentary sure helped. I mean, he's he's being canceled. This is the longest cancel culture <laughs> has taken. I mean, I don't know. It, is it really worth? I mean, his he's totally past his prime anyway. Yeah. Does he? Would so, he have any more movies? Oh, yeah, in I think him? he's got Probably more not. movies. I, I think know. he's got some. But I don't know. Maybe one or two. Left. He's how old is he? He's like 46, 47. <laughs> I think he's close and coming up on eighty. No, maybe late seventies. I don't no. know. Okay. A- anything else about the documentary? Was was it a good documentary? Was it a good documentary? I mean, it was. Uh, com- I use the word compelling. Mm-hmm. It was compelling, but I did go through a wave of um, anger about this. I mean, it's such a fascinating question. And do you think that documentaries should, the intent should be objective and balanced or not? Look at Bowling for Columbine. Look at those, and they're all, they're all one-sided. And like you said, it's, it's the conscious excluding of facts. That's, I think, is just as powerful as including others. Right. And is it the role of a documentary filmmaker to make an attempt? Is objectivity the goal? Or maybe it's not. That's might be old thinking. Maybe. I mean, I guess like what I what I appreciated about Neverland was that it was we're not gonna try to tell Michael Jackson's story. We're gonna try to tell the story of these two men that were involved with Michael Jackson and how that affected them. That was the documentary. Right. It wasn't about Michael Jackson. Sure, you know Michael Jackson, that's your relationship, but this is this person's relationship to Michael Jackson. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of that going on here, but the problem is they're, they're kind of making Alan, you know what they're doing? Here's what it is. In the difference, here's, here's, I, I think I've got it. Okay. If I'm comparing this to Neverland, which is totally a comparable movie, I think, right? It's kind of, a, it, Neverland was a two-part series, but I think each part was like two yes. hours. So it's yes. about, about the same running time, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And same kind of, uh, you know, somebody being molested by a very powerful person. There's a, you know, a little bit of cover-up. There's a lot of comparisons here. Neverland focused exclusively on the two people that were, like, the two main characters, the two boys that were allegedly molested by Michael Jackson. Whereas with Woody Allen, this Allen v. Farrow feels like it is exploiting the popularity of woody allen in order to make the documentary mm, successful yeah yeah that's it i mean they're even talking about like here's how allen became popular and here's how he uh you know he and mia their relationship and it's kind of like almost a documentary about them and i don't remember that really happening with michael jackson and mm-hmm. in, in finding neverland you're right finding you're neverland right. was just here's who i am I don't. Did they talk at all about Michael Jackson getting famous no. in the Jackson Five or anything? I don't remember any of that stuff. And Were like, there clips at the beginning? I maybe, but I don't recall. If it was, it was really. It was brief. unimportant. It was. It was minimal. Yeah, and it was kind of like you already know who the guy is. That's right. not our focus. Right. We're not right. doing a documentary on right. Michael Jackson. We're doing a documentary on these two guys. That's the difference, I think. And I think that movie was done more responsibly than this one. People feel that um, Mia did coach um, him, the son. There's nothing Wait, worse no, than no, no. Dylan. Dylan. There's nothing Dylan's worse than a, a woman. Huh? Dylan's a girl. Dylan's a girl. 
Yeah. You said him. I see. I yeah. still think. Well, first of all, Dylan should change her name. <laughs> I mean, what's up with that? There's nothing worse than the, a woman's scorn. Mm -hmm. And but I want to say that also Woody's marriage to Soon Yin. Did we say the Soon name. Yi. Soon Yi. It lasted. It was not a fling. Yeah. It was not a sexual romp for a few months. They've been together for many, many years. The documentary went out of its way. There was also a scene. Woody didn't want to have children. He said that to Mia. He said he's not built that way. Yeah. And they got all these kids, you know, naturally uh, and adopted and so on. And there was even a scene with Woody at a, like a playground with, with Dylan. And they played ominous music, mm -hmm. foreboding mm. music. And Woody was being uncoordinated. He wasn't comfortable in the role of the father. You could see just the way he was. He was nebbishy Jew, mm -hmm. and you could feel that. And But the fact that they had that music was also affecting objectivity, that it was ominous and foreboding, like, mm, yeah, he's up to his olds. Yeah, I think you're right. I question the lack of objectivity. Now, I again, in, in the audio recordings, he squirmed and basically, basically was like, oh, the thing with Sunyi, that was a one-time thing. I'm not in love with her. No, no, no. So, yeah. He's squirming out of it, but I think that's also when you're caught in a relationship, like when you've been cheating on somebody, you just start seeing your whole world crashing real yeah. quick. And you start going, okay, I could lose everything. I could lose, I, I could lose the new woman and the old woman, yeah. and it all just start falling apart. Right. So you just start saying anything. Would, would to you kinda, lie? Probably. I would. I'd like to think I, I wouldn't. Would. I'd like to think would. I wouldn't, but I would. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Well, I think when you're in that situation, you're just like, okay, stop. Let me try to handle this. And you want to try to do it in as delicate a way as possible. And ultimately, he just needed he needed to have broken it off with Mia earlier. He needed to just been like, this ain't working. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, he clearly isn't attracted to her anymore. I'm sure she was a handful. I'm sure she was. You can tell. Yeah. It's like, um, she still has that hippie. Attitude yeah. about her, that hippie, long dress, flowing with hair. You know, now she got older. I mean, I thought she was quite terrific in Rosemary's Baby and other films, too. She just doesn't strike me as a deep thinker. She's not a deep thinker. And he in, is. In the whole, yes, and the whole family, again, with her brothers and all that stuff. You know, her mom was quite important. She was in the Tarzan movies. <laughs> it's a weird family. There's an odd dynamic. That's for damn sure. Um yeah, I can be really cast and I can very I can be very inappropriate and say, well, Mia got that that whiny voice of hers. Who can blame him? But I shouldn't say that because we're professionals here. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> okay, one last thing before we start Woo! moving on to, to, to the next segment and everything. I just one quick question. Yeah, I just want you to really think about this. Yeah, with Dylan. Was Dylan asking for it? I mean, come on, she was like sitting there. <gasps> You know, looking all hot and like saying, Daddy, Daddy, I'm waiting for you doing all that stuff. Was she asking for it? Like, yeah. Okay. Like all women do. Yeah. yeah. I just want to make sure we're on the same page now. Yeah. I'm still not sure if Dylan's a boy or a girl. Girl. Oh, okay. Female. Yeah. 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 I think uh, Dylan might be open for sex uh, re identification. There's something odd about that kid. There is. Well, she's married yeah. to a guy. Yeah, whatever. The show. She's a beard. I love that term, beard. 
She she's wait. No. He's a beard he's a, for the her? Husband, no, the husband, it, she's married to a guy, so the husband would be a beard to protect her. Ide- I'm just off on a weird Ira tangent right now. <laughs> All I know is I had these strong feelings about this documentary. and um, Money shots. Yeah. Let me find my notes. I'm all just I'll tell you what my money shot is. It's actually the... Uh, <laughs> because the, the audio made such an imprint on me. Listening to him talk back to, to her going no 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 he was kind of like having this attitude like you'll find out when you find out and he wasn't willing to answer the questions that Mia was asking him yeah and they were just showing the outside of Woody's apartment building which was not a very interesting shot but it was the audio that really yeah. kind of slammed yeah. me I think that's what I'm going to remember about this documentary that and while it's not a money shot per se the last episode was a lot of fluff I think this this episode was really the series should have been three episodes long um, that last one just didn't really go anywhere. It was just kind of blabbing. Money shots for you? Would this documentary have been made if there was no Me Too movement? Whoa. Hmm. Look at this. As we're about to wind down the segment, all of a sudden I pull up this really cool Ira question. Maybe. Maybe after he died. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. You know, Moses, Moses, the other kid, yeah. was defending Woody. Woody. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say that. But Moses has some issues, too. I know. I I mean, he's definitely on the spectrum. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, My money shot. It was... This doesn't suggest guilt. However, it was interesting. We've always known that many of his movies are about an older man and a younger woman where Mm -hmm. they showed us actual passages from the screenplay mm-hmm. older man younger woman and they they highlight those from different films not just manhattan but many many others too it was a definite pattern it was a definite pattern again that does not mean guilt but i found that yeah, it does. that means guilt <laughs> but i found that just fascinating you know anyway is this anti-wave. movie anti-wave? well number one is a documentary yeah and number two it's uh, four hours long Four one-hour parts, so that's two elements that could be considered right. documentary. Yeah, I think I, w- I would give it more anti-wave than not. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea the what score matter. we gave Finding Neverland, but I think it's as as anti-wave as that. Not quite. Finding Neverland got pretty graphic with some of the oh, interviews. True. I want to remind you about yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. There was talk about ass fucking yeah a lot of yeah ass so i just want to say that like michael jackson liked yes, to watch yes my asshole yes yes molly was masturbating right so let me just remind you that yeah okay. yeah um not that that's a bad thing to do but not that's wrong or not that there's anything wrong, wrong with, with it um there's a lot wrong with that so is this movie anti-wave i would say yeah you're going to go... I know you're going to go. What? You're going to say seven. I'm going to say six and a half, seven. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. All right. You're going to agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mia. And she was married to Frank Sinatra. Look at all of her bad choices she made. Well, I'm sure Frank Sinatra was like, get this fucking bitch out of here. Once, once he got her in the sack. That was it. Conquest. Goal! You know, I, it's really telling to me. And Andre like, Previn. Yeah, it's what? something that we, as a society, don't talk enough about. But I always say, like... If you ever want to find out if a man truly loves you, have sex with him. And then after sex, right after sex, in those five minutes after sex, watch his attitude toward you. Because if he still is very warm and like into you and stuff like that, he really cares about you. You are so right on. 
You are so right on. There have been times in my past. But there's so many times when, like, after you right come, after I come, you're just like right after I come. I'm I want to go out. home. Yeah. How can I get her out of my home as yep. soon as possible so I can yep. get a good night's sleep? Yep. That you're drained. It just comes out of you. Yeah, right so after dickhole. So right. So and it's all over her face, <laughs> and you're like, and there's and, all the love I have for you. If you can still feel tender moments and want to cuddle, yeah, that's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, but if you turn to her and say Uber, then yeah, yeah, it's pro- <laughs> probably not romance in the cards. But it, I, I, yeah, that's a good litmus test. Yeah, and I have a feeling with uh, Frank Sinatra after he banged her, absolutely, he was like, absolutely, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, he did it his way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey man, uh, who died this week? Ooh. Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. Why don't you just, here it is. <clears throat> we want to acknowledge the following people who passed away. Got to tell you, unfortunately, most of the following people, they endured to dust. Houston Termlin, 28-year-old, 28, Robert, American child actor, uh, Tallahagdasanite. Uh, excuse me, 28 is not a child actor. Isn't that interesting? But it says child actor, 28. He was a child well, he actor. was a child actor, but he died a few years later. Ballad of Ricky Bobby, I saw that. Um, suicide, gunshot. Mm. Jessica Walter, I really liked her. 80-year-old American actress. She, people know her for Rest of, rest of Development. She's I great. know her for Play Misty for Me. She was crazy. In, and that, again, was Clint Eastwood's uh, directorial debut. And she was just terrific as the evil, crazy lady. She won an Emmy and did a lot. And she was, was also was in... Was she the one that was obsessed with... She was the crazy one. Okay. Yes, she was the crazy one. But I also want to say <clears throat> she was in an episode of The Fugitive. Oh. Mm-hmm. Beverly Cleary... You know, I heard season three... <laughs> hey, Beverly Cleary, oh. you mentioned this to me. And 104. I, 104. My God, American Children's... You know, she really... Had, if I what? asked you last week, yeah. if Beverly Cleary's still alive or dead, what would you have said? Well, I'd say who? <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, I would have you... bet the farm she's dead. I, especially if I said, if she is alive, she's 104 today. I would have got... Okay, she's croaked a long time ago. Because you knew like, who she was. Oh, yeah. I, I, you're, I didn't. I didn't the have Ramona books and everything? Yes, and the Ramona books. And she had a real knack for writing children's stories that kids could relate to. And I want to mention, too, that many of her books were made into films. Yeah. Dead. Larry Mc... Oh, this guy. I want to talk about Larry McMurtry. McMurtry, 84-year-old American novelist, screenwriter. Get this, Robert. He wrote the screenplay to Lonesome Dove. Oh. He also co-wrote... Uh, the screenplay for Last Picture Show along with Peter Bogdanovich and wow. he wrote the novel on which it was based Brokeback Mountain he wrote the screenplay and he won the Oscar for that in 2006 yeah, but has he done anything good? <laughs> listen to this quality of this guy he was a cowboy type did a lot of Old West things The Last Picture Show he wrote Terms of Endearment he wrote the screenplay Terms of Endearment which the novel adapted into the film and his works were nominated for a total of 34 Oscar nominations, 13 wins. He got the Oscar for Brokeback Mountain. And you know who he thanked? You're going to love this. Who? When he was up there, dressed in a rugged cowboy look, he said, I want to thank my typewriter. <laughs> that's, that's who he thanked. You know, we don't talk enough about Lonesome Dove. We haven't talked at all about it. Do you? I've never seen it. I just mean as a culture, we don't talk about it. You haven't seen it? I haven't seen it. You know who's in that? Yeah, a lot of important people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, we should point out Lonesome Dove was a TV series. It was like a mini series kind of thing, right? 
1989. Robert Duvall was in that? Robert Duvall was in it. Tommy Lee Jones, pre-Fugitive. This is 1989. Wow. Danny Glover was in it. Um, Who else was in it? Uh, Robert Urich was in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else? There were a bunch of other people. Angelica Houston was in that. Chris Cooper. You may not. Chris Cooper. You know Chris Cooper, Of course I do. This guy? Yeah, I know who he is. There you go. He was in that. Fucking everybody's in this this series. Chris Cooper, interesting career he's had. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah, Larry, Larry wrote that and a lot of other quality stuff. He died. Have you ever heard of this fifty-two-year-old American actor, Mums de Schemmer? He was no. in Oz, and she's got to have it. And he was a poet too. But now I want to talk in a serious way. Okay. Well, first the coroner's corner, Silver Spotlight Award. We ain't going to give it to Gene Hackman. We ain't going to give it to Gene Betty Hackman White. Did? Yeah, and also Dick Van Dyke. They're all dead. Dead and Pepe Le Pew. Oh, wait. He died last week. Yeah, I know. He died again. Well, he's dead, dead, dead. Cancer culture. You can't culture. keep saying Pepe Le Pew over and over and Le over Pew, again. I miss Pepe Le Pew. You know what, Robert? Yeah. Something about getting older that I really have a hard time with is losing people I'm extremely fond with. George Seagal? <laughs> is it George Seagal? Seagal. Oh, and since you're mentioning his last name, let me mention this to you. He was really the first Jewish actor who decided to make a conscious choice not to change his last name to make it more Anglo, to be more accepted. And people say he paved the way for Barbara Streisand and Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. to use their actual birth name when they received, when they got famous as celebrities. George Siegel is dead. And this one really hurt. It's so funny what? because I don't think of any of those names as being Jewish. I mean... Hoffman? Streisand? The way I, I said guess. that. Yeah, but, uh, but it I doesn't... Mean, it you, makes you want, sense. You want just, Bloomberg, those names. Even that's, I mean, Bloomberg is getting there. I want like Goldstein. That's what I need. <laughs> I need something more Jewy. Yeah. All right, I'll go, work on it. More Jewy. Jewy. But I, I mean, Spiegel, I guess, is pretty close. But like, uh, you know, or Cohen, I would, I would guess. Anyway. I grew up with George Siegel. And his movies were really important in the mid to late 70s through the 80s, coupled with Paul Mazursky. And he was good looking, but not too good looking. He was just right. And this is the perfect example of an actor who went from leading man to a character actor. Mm. Late in his life with TV shows. And you mentioned Just Shoot Me and uh, the, the Goldbergs, where he was the crazy. He became more of a caricature over the top. Right. With, oh, we got grandpa again. You know, and he certainly did age, George Siegel did. But I want to mention that he was an American actor and musician, often played his, his banjo on The Tonight Show, and popular in the 60s and 70s, dramatic and comedy roles. Some of them include Ship of Fools. He was also in King Rat, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, who's nominated for Supporting Actor. He was also in Where's Papa? I love that film with Ruth Gordon. The Hot Rock. I saw that in the theater in 1972. Bloom in Love. I love that film. Paul Mazursky. Uh, A Touch of Class. California Split. And Flirting with Disaster. You may be familiar with that. And uh, he was nominated for Academy Award again, like I said, for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, win Golden Globe Awards, and so on. And, um, and he's dead. Hi, who's birthdays, 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 celebrity birthdays for the week. The yin and yang. William Shatner. You know what? He's 90. He was on The View and he's sharp. He gets it. He's still playing with his persona mm-hmm. and he's really got his faculties. That's who he is. It is who he is. And you know, uh, Reese Witherspoon, 49. Gene Shalit. Do you remember him? He was uh-huh. a critic on TV. He's 95. Wait, Gene- Reese Witherspoon's 95? No, no. Reese Witherspoon's oh. 45. You did this last time. Gene Shalit, 95. James Conn, 81. Alan Arkin, 87. Martin Short. Jennifer Gray, 61. 
with a nose job. Quentin Tarantino, 58. Michael York, 78. We wish them all a happy birthday. Do you think I'll ever be able to mention Jennifer Grey again without you mentioning her nose job? Do I always do that? Yeah. Do I? Yeah. No, you won't be able to. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you want to do some top five? And Robert... Oh, that's the wrong one. And hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Vern. Uh, yeah. All right, we're going to do top five uh, nasty breakups as soon as Ira gets his papers Wait a second. sorted out. Yeah, I have too much stuff here. All right. It was really rude. You, 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 you prepared a lot. I, I went nuts on this. You really did. Well, yeah, I, I had a strong reaction to that. Okay. okay, I'm we're going to do this you, pretty quick. You guess this, this whole episode oh, is it's getting... on the floor. No, of course it is. Well, you, you usually just get it for me when my notes fall on the floor. I don't want to bang the microphone. Robert, just it's right there. Thank you. Ah, thank we you. Mention, yes, Nancy breakups. Ira, Ira has a whole table and like his lap. It's filled with, I mean, you probably have half a ream of paper here. I do. Of like handwritten I and I take and my printed role very notes. seriously. Yeah. 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 Well, this episode's starting to get long. Is so it, that's one of our longer ones. We're going to go so over two hours on this, say. baby. Let's do a fast top five. No, I want it to wax poetically. Let's go a little quicker. So let's talk quickly about, uh, do we need to define nasty breakups? No, we don't. Great, let's do it. Are Um, all yours human? Yep. Me too. Number five. Are we going to overlap? We already know we're overlapping. My number five, Go. Sophie's Choice. That was a really nasty breakup she had to do where she broke up with her her daughter. I need to know if you're fucking with me. I'm fucking with you. That's pretty good, right? That was very funny. Um, no, my number five is a documentary. I like that you included a documentary. Mm-hmm. 2007, Crazy Love. I love that. Yeah, you, you do. I, f- Robert, uh-huh. that's your number five? That's my number you five. You know, if I thought of that, I would have put it up higher. I know. I would have put it up higher. I know. That movie did something to me. <laughs> I know. Tell us, briefly so talk us through they it. They break up. This guy <laughs> and this girl, he's like obsessed with her and she's beautiful and they break up and he shows up at her house one day and throws acid in her face. Uh, if, if I can't have you, I mean, no one will. can. Uh, speaking of, this is two acid references. Uh, it it yeah, might have right. been the same acid from the research <laughs> facility. <laughs> and uh, it throws acid on her face and then she goes back to him. So it was a nasty breakup, but she took him back. And That's- I asked you this a couple of years ago, that if you intentionally threw acid on your wife's face, do you think she would take you back? Yeah. She would have learned her lesson. If she threw acid on your face, would you take her oh, back? Oh, I would dodge it. Okay. That's my boy. I would dug. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my number five. Crazy love. Good. Okay, my number five? Mm-hmm. Kramer versus Kramer. I had a feeling it was going to be. Yeah, you did. And you know, to be honest, I was vacillating between that and Marriage Story. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I I saved that for a scoop, but I decided to go with Kramer versus Kramer because it was important. Yeah. It's just important. It was in many ways. 1979. I I shouldn't have given away the year. I would have said 80. You would have said 80? You're off always one year off. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, Meryl Streep, and it's a large chunk of it. What were you going to say? The cafe scene is the one that I remember. That's my money shot. I remember that. Don't they have like a fight in the cafe? Yep, they sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A lot of the dynamic was about the son and uh, the fallout of of a a divorce. It won many Oscars. I didn't realize this. It got film. It got director. What's his name? Robert 
it's almost like Benson, something mm-hmm. like, I think it's Robert Benson. It got film, it got director, and also Meryl Streep. I didn't realize that. She got an Oscar for mm-hmm. supporting. Of course she did. Yeah, of course she did. One of her 27. And um, and it got screenplay also. And I want to say, you know how big I am on the last, there's something about endings of things. And she's about to, she goes in the elevator to go see her son alone, just to talk with her son about what's going on. And the last thing she does, they look at each other, through the elevator doors are about to close, and she said, how do I look? And Dustin Hoffman says, terrific. And the doors close. Mm. And there's something about the subtext of that exchange that that's so real. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I look? She asked that of her husband, getting, and he said, terrific. And I don't know, that just stayed with me. I, okay. I, I, this is one of my scoops, Kramer vs. Kramer. It's not on my list. And so is Marriage Story. It's also one of my scoops. Mm-hmm. And... I, I've both of them. I think they're great companion pieces, actually. Yes. Um, they they both capture something so real, th- and they this Kramer versus Kramer holds up really well. It's been a number of years since I've seen it, but when I saw it, I was like, this does not feel dated. It felt very real, very good, and um, and I think Marriage Story. You know, I was thinking about that earlier. I'm not sure. I would have to go back and listen to our review of it because we did review it on this show. I can't remember whether I really liked it or not, but I think I might like it more as time has passed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I think when we saw it, I was like, this is okay. It's pretty good. But I think I actually like it more as I've been thinking about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's funny, you know, talking about remembering, I can remember almost every scene from that movie versus even the aforementioned, (laughs) the little, oh, the the good liar. I, I can't tell you anything that happened in that movie. The, the little things even a lot of that's lost on me already. oh I'm yeah like, something i don't know they were chasing yeah. a murderer i don't remember yeah being creepy. yeah digging holes yeah. but uh marriage story i can still i can tell you the yeah you beats could that. laura dern steals it by the way yeah. she's yeah you know, um funny. mine number four yes from 1998 uh you don't have this no, i don't you're that sure huh? yeah i'm sure um the wedding singer and you might say well where's the breakup Wait, yeah Linda oh. dumps uh, Robbie. That's the whole. I think it's Robbie. The remember he's uh, Adam Sandler's character gets dumped, and the whole movie he's like he got broken up with, and then she comes back to him at the end is like trying to rekindle the relationship, and that's when Drew Barrymore is like, uh, "Oh shit, well, I guess that's you don't want to be with me." Interesting because I wouldn't think of that. Yeah, I, you know what? Like what? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's and it's an really, important plot point. Yeah, absolutely, it's, an, it's not what the movie is about it's about you know what i'm saying moving on yes it's about moving on and who he should really be with right but you're right that's really a significant it really is a major plot movie. point yeah that's interesting robert and i when's the last time you saw it um probably about two years ago i like the film a lot it's fantastic it's, the chemistry with the two of them is the best i've ever seen it i've never Absolutely. been a fan of that but there's i look and they I'll, just capture something they really do it's you, you when you watch that movie you think Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore are truly bo- in love. Yeah, they belong together. Yeah. They just do. It was great chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Remember on the airplane at the end when it Billy was, Idol. Yeah. Billy Idol comes out yeah. and sings that goofy song. Yeah. yeah. Nice. What you got? What's number four? Uh, my number four is the aforementioned Bloom and Love. Now, uh, first of all, I know you haven't seen that movie. Is that correct? Hmm. But can you tell me the year uh, from what we're I, talking I about? You would be a guest. Said 1973. Yeah. And I want to say that one of my favorite directors, uh, Paul Mazursky, wrote it and directed it. George Siegel, I'm putting it in there as my homage to George. Susan Ansbach, who died a couple years ago. What's unique here is that the whole movie is a flashback where we see him at the beginning in Venice, Italy, 
but then the bulk of the movie takes place in Venice, California. The two Venices, uh. and that was kind of clever. Venice is a um, it's within L.A. County, and it does have you know it had canals. You probably knew that. That's why it was named Venice. Yeah, so why it was named Venice, right? And it's it, and he cheats. And he cheats on her. And the whole thing is getting her back, getting her back and her reaction to it. And um, it has only 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. But I liked it a lot probably because... What's that movie Zach Braff did where he cheated on her and he had to sit outside her door for like two days and she wouldn't talk to him? Do you remember that movie? I do now, but I don't know the title. I'll I'll look it up. You look it up, but the only thing wrong is that it's your turn to go. So uh, I'm done with Bloom and Love. And by the way, you can't fill a bus. I'm sure at all? I can. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, and my mom, I think I told you this years ago. My mom explained to me that there was a Jack Benny theme song when you play the violin called Love and Bloom. Get it? So they flipped Love and Bloom to Bloom in Love. Uh-huh. Okay. There's a trivia on that. George Siegel at his best, 1973. And the answer to that Zach movie is? Uh, it wasn't Garden State. Hold on. Okay. I just got to pull it up. Yeah. Really good. Nothing like some dead time here where we're. Okay. You want to hear me? Rift? Is that the word? Rift? Rift. 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 I'm going to riff. I'm going to... The Last Kiss. Mm. That's what it was. The Last Kiss. Yeah. Even with Say Anything, I was wondering where that Uh, famous scene, but it's not really... Man, kind of. It's not a... You see why I didn't... Yeah, I got you. Okay, all right. I got you. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, My number three. Now, this is, I would argue, kind of similar to The Wedding Singer... It's a breakup that we never even see happen, um, and we don't even see the girl very much. But 1996, Swingers. The whole movie centers around <gasps> you know, him right. trying to get over the breakup, and he I, can't do it. I really do. I don't mean to suck your dick right now, but all three that you've mentioned so far, beginning with that documentary, what's it called? Crazy, Crazy Love. Love. That's fucking great. And what you came in for your fourth place was really, really good, The Wedding Singer. Yeah. And now this, that we don't even see the breakup on camera uh, in the movie, but we know of it and are here about it throughout. That's really good. And remember, I don't know if you... When's the last... Did you see Swingers? Did you see... I saw it in the theater when it first came out. I have not seen it since. So... I just remember the telephone... Oh, the telephone really, scene that, is everyone knows about incredible. It. I know, I know. And it's, it's brilliant acting and incredible writing. And it's something we, it just, it was it's, visceral. My it, reaction was visceral. It's was the most spiraling, cringeworthy spiraling, scene I've spiraling. ever seen in a movie. And then he did it again. <laughs> and one more time. And, oh my gosh. I know, I know. I'm getting hot flashes. Yeah, just, just think about, about it. Literally about my palms right are getting sweaty. I know, I know. Um, but I don't know if you remember, he meets, um, oh, what's her name? The girl, roller girl from. Uh, oh, uh, from. I like her. You know him. From, yeah, Boogie Nights. From Boogie Nights. Heather Graham. Mm-hmm. He meets Heather Graham at the Derby and they hit it off and he's like, wow. And he finally kind of seems to be over his ex girlfriend. And then right then he goes home and he gets a call from his ex girlfriend. And she's like, maybe we should kind of get back together. Oh. And she's just kind of lays the groundwork of like, I broke up with my boyfriend and so maybe we should and he's got Heather Graham on the line he's like nah it kind of just cuts that part of his life off and he moves on to Heather Graham it's a really wow it's a a really good movie that movie it got too much fanfare I think at the time and if you weren't in it was like a cool movie that's very true but that's go back very, and watch it, and it's really good. It's yeah. well written. It's made with heart. It's a low there was budget. a lot of gushing about that movie. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, almost like Fight Club. Yeah. Same kind of gushing. Yeah. yeah. But would you go back if the a girl, the original one, the break, and she calls you up and says, "Hey, let's try this again. Nah. I want to make it work between us." I, 
No, I don't you'd think move about on. It. You'd move on? Especially if you got somebody else on the line. If else on the line. Yeah, but then, of course, you'd throw acid on our face. Yeah, of course. Just to spite. Yeah. What you got? What's your number three? My number three is yet another Palmer Zerski film. I don't mm-hmm. think you're familiar with this one, Robert. I'm going to turn you on to a movie you haven't heard of, Unmarried okay. Woman. Does that mean anything to you? I have heard of it. Mm-hmm. I've definitely not seen it. Okay. Jill, Jill Clayburn. She died a couple of years ago. Alan Bates were the two leads. In 19, I'll tell you, 1978, it was nominated for three Oscars. And it is a breakup movie. And it's it's one of Paul Mazursky's best films, even though it's not with uh, George Siegel. And I want to tell you, on Rotten Tomato, it's got a 92%. So I'm not alone. I, I love that film. It's my third favorite nasty breakup film. My number two is a movie that you, I don't think you've seen. Um it was a Ryan Gosling, I think, is in it, and it's uh, it's Blue Valentine, and You're right, Michelle Williams. They, I like her. it's a really, it's heartbreaking. It's you. You're watching inter, intercut scenes between a relationship that, as it was blossoming, like when they meet and as they're falling in love, and you're seeing scenes of them falling out of love and getting angry and fighting and it's it's heartbreaking and just watching this whole relationship crumble and um i I think i saw it once it just totally floored me like the performances were just incredible uh there's one scene in particular that was all shot like through the doorway and i think it was a hotel room but it was uh really really well performed Mm. you'd like this movie i would yeah blue Blue Valentine. valentine yeah nice now, I don't know what your number two is, but I know what it should be. And if it's not, you're going to kick yourself. I'm going to surprise you with my number two. Okay. No, it's not. Well, it could. No, you're going to roll your eyes. Mm. Then I'm. you're going to kick yourself in a minute when I tell you what You know my be. number one. I do know. And you're cool one. with that. Yep. But my number two is going to be a disappointment for you, huh? Okay. Yeah, I didn't say disappointment. Well, I'll be kicking. I'll be beating myself up yep. for not including it. Yep. Uh, believe it or not, my Al number two is um, Alan versus Farrell. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. When you really think about it, and again, we never said it had to be um, that it had to be marriage. It was just nasty breakup. This was a pretty fucking nasty breakup film, and I decided to put it in my top five. But you didn't like the movie. <laughs> okay, Blue Valentine. <laughs> Can I suggest a replacement? No, wait. Yeah. What's the number two you'd rather I have? From 2013, her. Oh, fuck. Can I? Am I allowed to? We've never done this. Am I allowed to amend? No. I'm going to stick with. Did I? Do we have to love these? Oh, we said favorites. These are favorites. Well, it's your top but it's five. Still, I mean, my God. The hatred between these two. I'm going to stick to my. I love her. I, I am beating myself up. I am beating myself up for not including her, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I'm going to stay with Alan versus Pharaoh for my number two nasty breakup movie. You needed to have consulted with me before you, uh, before you compiled your think top five. Of her? Yeah, I don't know. And Crazy Love. Okay, I know what your top five is. You know what my top five is. There might be some people out there that don't know what our top five is. You mean number one? That's I'm, what I'm saying. I'm sorry, number five. one. I keep saying yes. top five. You know, know what my number one is? I know what yours is. I, you're gonna fuck so with here's me. It's a different do. movie. What? Let's do scoops first. 
Oh, I like. But wouldn't that be weird if we don't it's have the same? <laughs> we don't because there's a there's a slight there's a three percent chance. No. Yes, there is. No, there's well, no, not. Well, no. What I said is the director of comedic not. having yeah, been I, We fucking know. Yeah, we know. You're right. All right. You're right. Okay, so we're gonna go to scoops. So let's go to scoops first. We've never done this before. I know. I like this. Ooh, I like it. What you're I'm doing gonna rattle this. off a bunch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah. My octopus teacher. You're you're uh-huh. being quite um, uh, eloquent, skilled and you're, here, right? You're at the, you're at the top of your game. How about that? Who's breaking up? His parents. Yeah. Parents I got forgot. divorced. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, there's a great movie. I wish I put it in my top five, but I just didn't have enough room. Enough said. And it was a movie with um. Uh, oh, what's the guy from The Sopranos? Um, the fat guy who yeah, died? James, uh, James yeah. Gandolfini. Gandolfini. And, um, and the girl from Seinfeld. Uh, I'm trying to like go through the Rolodex. I can't think of everybody's name. Louis Dreyfus. Yes, Julie Louis Dreyfus. I was going to say it's a three-name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three-namer. Which you would never see the two of them together. And they're like both divorcees, and they meet each other kind of like in their second wind of life. Mm-hmm. And it's a romantic comedy starring those two, which are like, what the fuck? They're so compelling. They're both great actors, you know, and they both just bring it. And all of a sudden, and they treat it very realistically because James Gandolfini is not an attractive man. And she even has reservations. Like, he's not that attractive, but she starts to fall in love with him. And she's like, I I just can't help it. It's really good. And you felt the chemistry between the two. And then he died not too long afterward. uh, In real life, the actual actor. Yes. It's great. What's enough said? Is enough said. Yeah. I think I'd like this movie. I think you would too. It's it's a romantic it's comedy. Like a Marty, but it's a little small. bit of a Marty feel. Kind of, but it's it, yes, but yes, it has an intimate feeling mm-hmm. to it, and you feel like you know them very, mm. very well. It's very personable. Um, a serious man, Squid and the Whale, a separation, which was um, a Iranian movie about a. The wife and the husband want to get divorced, but the government won't let them. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, La La Land, How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Um, I don't. Do you remember the movie Malice? See, let me interrupt you. Yeah, uh, I kept going to the word nasty breakup. So even La La Land. Was that a nasty breakup or just kind of organically? Okay. Well, it's you not my top five. Okay, you're right. You're right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Malice was really nasty. I don't know. If she like fucks him over, and like he, uh, there's a really there was a, a kid across the way who used to always watch them having sex, and she like set him up and was like trying to steal, trying to get him on the hook for like a crime or something, and he didn't do it. I think it was like a murder. And there's a really great scene where he's the guy's like I, I can't remember who the guy was or she was, but they're sitting down at the at the dinner and having this really tense conversation, and he, he says to her like this great line of like of all the things you wish I fixed in the house while we were together, don't you wish I finally put blinds up on the windows so the boy across the street couldn't watch us? And as he says that, she squeezes her glass, her wine glass, and it breaks in her hand, and she cuts her hand because she realizes that this blind boy who used to always watch them having sex was a witness to the whole murder but she doesn't know it turns out that the boy was blind the whole time and there's like this whole like twisted like it's like a whodunit do you remember these movies that came out in like the early 90s that was like basic instinct and fatal attraction yes. and like a single white female and the hand that rocks the do you remember all of these movies that came of out that were, it was one of those 
Wow. It's a it's it's a pretty good little movie. Look who I'm even right now listening to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the, uh, it's so fascinating. The way um, you said that. Tabloid is a really good one too, where she oh, got like shunned by this guy and she like kidnapped him and held him in a hostages documentary that was really fascinating. But um, another one, this is the last one I've got. It's my last scoop. Office space. And you might say, but wait a minute. He never broke up with Jennifer Aniston. Ah, he didn't break up with Jennifer Aniston. He broke up with his job. I was wondering if you're going to have all human beings. Yeah. Well, you also have my octopus teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my scoops. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. What do you got? Of all the ones, I need to say this one last time. Now, the, the two that just went, wow, uh, that I wish I had thought of her and uh, Crazy crazy Love. Mm. Those two are really, really good, Robert. Yeah. My scoops, look, again, I'm having trouble with the word nasty because I. that's why these are scoops. They're not in my top five. We can go back to Annie Hall, and that is mm-hmm. a breakup yeah. movie. Uh, even Manhattan... Um, about last night. Uh-huh. That's a uh, say anything kind of, yeah. and we love that last shot. We're holding the boombox over his head. Doctor Javago would be a, a yeah. big, and um, the way we were with Barbara Streisand. Robert, seen it. Hmm? oh well, yeah, that was where one was liberal, the other was conservative, and uh, it was a breakup movie. But they weren't really nasty, and that's why I wanted to hold off with my number one, where I almost had an orgasm. No, nah, me and too. And I just love that we both. There's still a one percent chance. No, nah. no, there isn't. Is there? 1989. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, no, mine's 1974. <laughs> You're such a bad liar. <laughs> I know, I know. And let's say it together: The, the War, War of, of the, the Roses. <laughs> What a fucked up movie. I, I heard he was going to go I, love I know, movie. I know. I went nuts. I literally woke up at three in the morning. I keep paper next to my bed. I take this very seriously, as you do too. Yeah. And I thought, that's it. War of the Roses. And I sent you that text a few days ago saying, I hope we have the same first one. I saw that in the theater. My mouth fell open. It's so great. Uh, with, with Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner. And Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito, who also directed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a divorce attorney. Yeah, Danny DeVito. It's a cautionary tale. Oh, is it ever? It's a black comedy. It's, it's a so up. good. That ending, the chandelier. Where he reaches over to grab her. Uh, the chandelier crashes. They're on it. They're yeah. on the chandelier, crashes to the floor. And he we should mention, re- anybody that hasn't go, seen the movie, here's the premise. Yeah, the premise go, is that go. the Roses, is uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rose, are getting divorced. I was going to say Mr. and Mrs. Black, by the way. That, that seemed like a nasty breakup where they had to kill each other. Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Oh, Smith. Yes, yeah. yeah, Smith. Okay, we got it. Um, anyway, so the Roses, uh, uh, Douglas and Turner, they're, they're getting a divorce, and Danny DeVito's relating this tale to someone yes. who comes in and, yes. and is wanting to file for divorce. And he's basically explaining how these two went from loving each other to getting divorced, but as they did it, they got so vindictive, and they were cutting their house apart and like fucking up each other's like uh like he cut all the heels off her expensive high heel shoes she like uh took her giant car and like ran ran over his tiny little uh you know uh, mini cooper of a car and it just got so awful like the divorce just became so spiteful and it ends with the two of them (gasps) having like a fight in the house to the death. And they're basically, they end up on the chandelier. Right. They're upstairs. I think there's a spiral staircase. Right. Right. And the chandelier can't support their weight. And the chandelier comes crashing down to the floor. And it's very clear that they're they're both dying. 
they're still alive, but they are dying. And in in his last effort, Michael Douglas reaches over and tries to hold her hand, right? Like or hold like puts his hand over her just on tries her. To touch her he hand. just tries to reach yeah. out because yeah. there's still some love there. Yes. And he's like, Well, through all of this. Yes. We're together. And what does she do? She takes his hand and throws it back on him. Get the fuck off me. Fuck. Yeah. You know, I actually forgot. I went back and did some research on this after I thought about that movie and that the whole thing is told by Danny DeVito. Mm. It's new clients. A new couple wants to get divorced. So it is a cautionary tale. But that last scene... What a fucked up movie. What a brilliant movie. Talk about anti-wave. Yeah. Talk about anti-wave. That movie's so good. And I love that we, and by the way, we know that there's a literary historical reference to that title. I wonder how many people really know that. Yeah. In old it? England of the yeah. Tudors, and they were always fighting each other right. for the, the royal, blah, blah, blah. So that's where there was a war called the War of the Roses, right. which was very clever to have their last name as Rose right. and this couple going through a divorce. 1989. What, what, a, what a movie. What a movie. I'm glad that we agreed. I'm glad we put that down for our number one. That's really cool. Hey, Robert, let's talk some Wasn't more. Woman Wait. Under the Influence? I mean, she oh. didn't break up, but oh. she went insane, and that was kind of the end of yeah. the marriage that was really nasty. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think we should talk a little bit more and go for three hours. I'm surprised <laughs> she didn't say The Graduate. Look at the quiet. The silence is really good for a podcast, isn't it? I mean, that's a pretty and nasty breakup. breakup. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think you missed the boat on some of these. No, no. I still, st- I'm sticking with my five, okay. especially my number one. I think you need to see Blue Valentine. I, I do think too. you'd really like I it. I do too. All right. Hey, man. Um, Crazy love. Oh, there okay, you go. Right. If somebody else has some breakup movies that we didn't mention, yeah, what they can, can they do? reach out to us. How? Well, through our email. Well, where, where? What's the email address? Robert at antiwaypodcast.com. Oh, or, and slash or ira at antiwaypodcast.com. Or you can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram. Our handle there is at antiwavepod. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? <laughs> God, you knew it was coming. You Just was co- like Woody Allen's fingers. <laughs> we are truly all over the place. Yeah, I don't know if I can top that. Find us on, on Google Podcast Music. I have trouble with Google Podcast Music, Spotify. Um, go to iTunes. Go to our website. Or throw us a review over at uh, iTunes. Reviews. Rate like review. That really helps. Yeah, Tell a friend about the show. Yes. And throw us a few bucks over at Patreon. Help yes. keep the sprocket holes moving. Ira. Yeah, what are we doing? Next, next week, we're going to watch tell. a movie called Tina. Oh, is it is Ike in there? No. He's not. He's really not. He's not it? mentioned at all. They mm. don't even make mention of it. They were a happy couple. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about nasty breakups. <laughs> yes. So Ike and Tina will be learning about next them week. a little bit next y- week. You got it. Big wheels keep on turning. Anyway. Yeah. Um, don't forget she sang the song in your most favorite Mad Max. <laughs> Mad Max We movie? don't need another hero. Yeah. Th- that's the song that. But she was scantily clad yeah. in heels, so it worked for me. Master Blaster runs by the town. Ooh, anyway, yeah. uh, hey, let's give producer Joey a round of applause. Yeah, Joey. Woo, woo, woo. Hey, I think that about does it, doesn't it? I'm tired. <laughs> I need a nap. I think this might be our longest episode. Yeah, we definitely went over to it. Two hours yeah. and twenty. Like, if it's not our longest, it's definitely one of them. I think. It, oh. Actually, the one, yeah, with Leon. Yeah, I think we went long, but that was worth it. That was was was, a good episode. Maybe this was worth it, too. Maybe so. Or maybe you just wasted a couple hours. (laughs) My life. Either way, (laughs) hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. Yeah, I killed her. She wanted to claw my eyes out. 
hit her over the head with the lamp. Bitch deserved it. <laughs> <laughs>